You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 490. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 2D at the Holiday Inn in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today's show is recorded on the 20th of September, An air freighter crashes in Indonesia after an aborted landing. The Air Force is moving ahead with developing a C-130 cargo seaplane. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 490 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning... TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 1010 wins in New York City. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And then usually I say before that, welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. And joining me today, she's like right here sitting next to me. There she is. Hi. She, from her, no, next to me in the hotel studio, (laughs) Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph. It's my fault that he's distracted and not reading the script in the correct order. I'll take all the blame uh, for that. North Kakalaki. All right. Good to see you, Jeff. Good to to be a good show. Good to see you. Yes. There's right Steph. There's me. <laughs> camera one, camera two. Okay. And Define also good. joining, shut up, Liz, <laughs> from his studio in, in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire, professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virginia, <laughs> Virginia, <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> No, Jeff, we're in North Cadillac. Virginia's a different state, and that has nothing to do with the airline that Nick used to fly for. I was trying so hard to to finish all that up at the right point. Hit your mark. Yeah, and I missed it. Uh, Missed it big time. Wow. Perfect all the time. I am not a professional. Oh, well. So, hello, Captain Nick. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. Hi, Jeff, and uh, hi, Steph. I'm feeling exceedingly jealous with you two guys having so much fun there that you're muffing your lines. Well. Muffing, hey? We haven't even had a chance to get started yet. Yes. Yeah. You ain't seen no muffin yet. Yes. Well, have fun together. Well, we are, and I can't wait to that time in the future that we all can be together, all in front of the same camera slash cameras. Yes. In one place. We uh, can't decide if we should have one camera or two cameras. So today we're doing two. Maybe yeah, one. It's kind of We have the option. 
Yeah, might have to go to the one camera. This is, I'm starting to get dizzy. No. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's time for us smooth. to. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. She's saying smooth. Time for the news. Stand by for news. All right. The first item in the news folder is from Aviation Herald and uh, Simon Ratke. We're going to talk about him um, in, a, in the next segment, by the way. Um, anyway, let's start talking about this one here. A rimbum. A rimbun. Uh, thank you, Liz. Rin, you rim, said rimbum? A, rim, a rimbum. <laughs> it says rimbun. Rim, rimbun. A, oh, boy. Okay. Rimbun. <laughs> Air, Air to Havilland, DHC 6 Dash three hundred. Is that a? Is that That's a twin, twin otter. otter? Okay. It's a three hundred series twin otter. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Performing a freight flight from Nabire to Intanjaya. Sabajaya. Sabajaya. I think I have that right here. Okay. Sabajaya. Um. <laughs> with uh, three crew had attempted an approach to Intan Jaya's Belore Airport. Seriously, Liz, <laughs> or, did you pick this because of all the hard? She picked it for two reasons: because it's a twin otter, and because it has all these difficult names. That was just a bonus, actually. The for pronunciation thing was just a bonus. Tried to pronounce. Yeah. And the other reason is because the next few words include the term dense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, dense, dense can be an adjective used in many ways. But in this case, um, <laughs> they were operating in dense fog when the crew initiated a go-around at 722 Ouch. local time. Um, a short time later, uh, loud noises of an impact and trees falling was heard at the airport without ever sighting the aircraft. A signal of the emergency locator transmitter activated at that time. Emergency services activated and attempted to find the aircraft. About two hours later, a helicopter was able to locate the aircraft. And it feels like this is a run-on sentence. It is a run-on sentence, but okay. just keep going with it. It's all right. fine. It's got all the relevant information. Yeah. A helicopter was able to locate the aircraft in an altitude of 2,400 meters, which is 7,870 feet MSL, about 4,500 meters, 2.4 nautical miles from the runway in a state of total destruction. There were no signs of survivors. Emergency services reached the crash site later um, that day and found all three crew perished. The aircraft was carrying building materials to Intanjaya. Intanjaya! Uh, The Intanjaya (laughs) police reported the aircraft was located at an elevation of 2,400 meters. Uh, okay, we didn't we already talk no, about No, we did this? not say this. Yeah, we said that. Yeah, oh. we did. I mean, it's just another way to state it, I guess. Yeah, it's okay. more or less the same. Sorry. Yeah. Um, That's pretty sad. Anyway, uh, here, let me... The bottom, you hadn't said. Okay, Captain's well, why don't you read that? The phone was still logged on. <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> well, I've just said it. The captain's mobile phone was still logged onto the network. Oh, that's right. However, when the phone is being called, there is no response. Well, that's probably because the poor guy's deceased. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. Can't blame the cell phone um, provider for that one. Nope, you cannot, Liz. Uh, let's show this picture here. Um, there we go. And uh, that is the um, total state of destruction 
remains of the aircraft. And uh, this is a um, Google Earth view of that region and the uh, airport. And then the, uh, it says approximate final position. And that's high terrain over there yeah. to, the, uh, to the left or to the, I guess, to the west of the airport. If this is, you know, aligned with north, which it should be. Should be. Tell. Yeah. Uh, that's probably something uh, that's showing north. Right there, I think, yeah. is trying to show that that's north. Anyway, um, so sounds like they were attempting an approach in Bad low visibility conditions and obviously had to go around because they you know, couldn't see the runway or whatever they were required to see to continue the approach. And then somehow they mucked up the, uh, the miss, apparently. Right. But this was on their go around departing the aircraft or the airport environment, mm-hmm. or they were still inbound at that I think point? They were, no, they were inbound coming from the from east. From the east across the, then, okay. Although it doesn't really it say. It doesn't say. No, there's not a lot of information about what approach they were flying or anything, but I'm assuming that they were coming in from the east. It didn't say which runway they were trying to land no, on. No, it didn't. Um, unless I missed it. I, well, I, we skipped a chunk of stuff there. Yeah, well, I don't... Uh, Nick, or, uh, Nick no, do you see it. anything about what runway they were doesn't, approaching to? No, I don't to? see it. doesn't say yeah. it. Well, I mean, I do see that the airfield is at 7,200 feet, mm-hmm. and uh, the aircraft was located in elevation of five to 6,000 uh, feet. Uh, yeah. No, meet, no. Uh, 2,400 meters. How many feet is that? 7,870. So it was, they were about uh, 600 they, feet higher. The train was 600, 600 feet, higher feet higher that they impacted. Having flown two miles, so that they were either climbing at, you know, 300 feet a minute, which isn't much if you're doing a go around, but then again, mm-hmm. they are fairly high. Um, yeah. And they may have been. It depends uh, on they, how, uh, how much they know, had loaded if they were no bringing construction why. materials. But mm-hmm. they, sh- I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, they're obviously in poor weather. Uh, it, it's possible they had instrument failure or became disorientated during the go-around. It happens more frequently than we would like to admit to, I think. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it could be either. Yeah, they didn't climb sufficiently quickly or they uh, lost control of the airplane or the airplane had a major malfunction. Yep. Not a good time for any of those. Nope. Not mm. at all. Okay, well, hopefully we'll learn very more. Very sad to see a lovely twatter destroyed. Yes, that makes me very sad. It happens on a somewhat frequent basis, but lots to do with where these yeah. aircraft fly in um, mountainous terrain and unimproved fields and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, Steph, it's normally a fairly forgiving aircraft, is it not? Oh, to fly, uh, sure. It doesn't have many yeah, vices. Perhaps, no, not not really. It flies yeah. um, flies nice. I mean, heck, if Steph can fly it, <laughs> if it I can fly it, pretty darn easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the way it was. Burn. You know, she's burn. Thanks. <laughs> she's only a shoulder punch away. I know. You'll be crying exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a forgiving aircraft to fly, but I think a lot of times these are, they're being flown in very challenging situations and um, short fields, unimproved fields, mountainous terrain, bad weather, um, lots of. Lots of challenging situations. Yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully we'll learn more information about what happened there. Um, and then if we do, we'll pass it on to you, the listeners. So uh, let's continue on with the next news item. And this one happens to be, well, you know what? It's actually, it's a video, but it's really just audio that we really want to hear. Right. 
And it's an exchange that occurred, uh, an air traffic control um, uh, pilot exchange at ATL. What is that? I don't know. It sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, like um, some small airport, sm- small airport in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I not think. very, not very busy. No. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at the Atlanta International Airport, and uh, this it's an interesting recording. Now, I don't know how much of the conversation is included in this video from uh, Vass Aviation. Um, I have a feeling that not everything is in here because it seemed. Anyway, let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. Vass Aviation. Real aviation communications. Busy afternoon at busiest airport with long delays on the 19th of August, 2021. Delta 1410 on at the small, on the 27 right clear for takeoff. Right, small, 27 right clear for takeoff, Delta 1410. Delta 2086 tower, on the 27 right line of flight. 27 right line of flight, Delta 2086. Tower up to 2570. Go ahead. Yeah, we're up, uh, number one here at Lima Charlie. Should we start them up? I don't know who told you not to start them up. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're next to go. Do I need to resequence you? <laughs> okay, you guys got to get it together because the ground crew didn't know, and now we don't know, but we're starting it. We'll be ready. It's not my job to tell you when to start your engines. It's never been the tower's job. What, what are you talking about? We were never given a sequence. We passed you ground to you to ground, and no one had a sequence for us. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Delta 2570, this is the only only question I'm going to ask you. Are you ready to go? Affirmative, Delta 2570. All right. Delta 1410, kind of departure. 1410, nice joke. So when it gets busy like this, Delta 2570, like I haven't been on this position all night. I just got out there 10 minutes ago. But usually the ground controller, if he's, if he's a good ground controller, he or she, we have engine control spacing out at our gates. He'll put one on Lima to Lima Bravo, and the other departures on Mike. And then everyone is going northbound or westbound on down, down to Lima Alpha. So that's why you're seeing planes everywhere. Uh, no worries. We asked him. He said we were number 12, so we're just trying to conserve fuel. Fuel that's off. Delta 2570, line up away, 27 right. Line up away, 27 right, Delta 2570. Delta 2570, wind 3508, RNF football, 27 right, clear for takeoff. RNF football, clear for takeoff, 27 right, Delta 2570. Okay, that I, I, I never I never hear uh, exchanges like says, that on air traffic control frequencies. That doesn't you sound. Know, you haven't been around enough. No, I think I she's, love it. When I think uh, she's being very sarcastic. Say, I'm extremely. <laughs> yes, quite sarcastic. Lots am of sarcasm. I, am there. I just talking to myself here? No. Yep. Oh, good. Okay. Can you hear us? Hi. Uh, yeah, you can't hear me. Yeah, no, I can, we can hear. hear we can hear you. I can hear. You. We're just ignoring you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can't see you at the moment though, because Jeff's got too many things I'm like up on the sorry. screen. So I have no okay. Idea. Okay. Okay. Here. Messing up my. Oh. Well. Yeah. Well, where are you, Nick? I think he just decided to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I think he heard his feelings. Conversations. Nick. Changes. Come back. Nick. Well, only if you're nice. We were being Stop nice. Talking over How are we being mean? I, I think everybody's just trying talking. to say. Yes. Okay. Go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. No, um, that's my third, third attempt. <laughs> that's enough. I've given up now. Sorry. Liz has been listening to too much air traffic control. <laughs> like too much live ATC. 
Liz has been very rude. You have some, to you have to insert that one in the the audio. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll understand, Nick, if, when you when you listen to the audio only podcast, why we're being distracted because there's some control room person that's anyway. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> oh boy, it's all you, Nick. We want to know what you were going to say. And I'm sorry, that was my fault. I was talking over you. But you can't see me, so it makes it hard to know what's going on. I'm not going to say it now. Fine. Be that way. <laughs> is, okay. is, this the, is this the first meltdown that we've had? <laughs> Nick, we would really appreciate knowing your insights into um, how things work on... Uh, on frequency between pilots and controllers from your perspective. No, no, I'm, I'm waiting retired. for your very informed comments. You, you guys carry on. I'm good here in London, quietly, uh, okay. past 10 at night. That's fine. Okay. So I'm going to pretend like we just listened to this. Fair enough. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so as I was saying before I played this, it seems – that we may have been missing some of the communications that had happened. I think it was probably consolidated by uh, the gentleman who does um, VAS Aviation. But I, I just want to say right off the bat that I, I, if you're looking for who's to blame for this kind of tense, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it an argument, but a kind of an, a tense exchange. And I'm talking about the uh, air traffic control thing, not the thing going on between the hosts right now, <laughs> um, is the fact that uh, the it, I think it started off by Delta 2570 kind of making, uh, I thought, a somewhat inappropriate comment that uh, you got to get it together. So those kinds of comments, in my opinion, never need to be said on frequency. I mean, just stick to what needs to be said um, if you're. If you think you've been slighted in some way, you're upset about something, it's really not going to expedite the situation or make anything better in that moment by having a snarky comment to start off with. You can explain yourself if there's if there's concern over why things happened the way that they did, but it shouldn't be, um, you know, it shouldn't be emotion emotionally driven or sarcastic in any way. Mm -hmm. No editorializing. And I I think also but no it it has its place but uh, not really uh, there no I think what may have happened here and this is just you know I'm I'm just supposing this my supposition is that they were told that they were like number twelve in the sequence quite a ways back in time and I'm not sure that they advise any time that we think we're going to have a big delay we will suggest we'll have a conversation in the cockpit do you think maybe we should shut down an engine or shut down both engines if we're going to be a while but you never do that on your own without talking with ground control or tower uh you just don't on your own just decide to shut your engines down because they may need you to move the airplane somewhere and so i'm wondering if they just kind of did that on their own and without telling anybody and then it was kind of this guy was going like what yeah, why don't you have your engines running? Your number, you're next for departure. Um, so I think that may have been maybe a factor in this whole thing. But then, of course, uh, the controller got really defensive and started mm -hmm. um, 
he started getting a little bit emotional as well uh, with this whole thing. So I think it was just I, I personally think that the Delta saying, get it, you guys got to get it together was the thing that kind of just made this there was like a, what the the straw the the catalyst well it was accusatory right oh yeah he, that, that's what kicked it off wasn't yeah. it yeah acme would never do that so yeah acme but uh, what amuses me about these situations is that um whenever the air traffic controller starts explaining the intricacies of his job uh, at length. He always starts it by saying something like, you know, we're really busy up here trying to do all this stuff, and then tells the guy for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> I know. Why? We're really busy, He's but let really me take busy. this time to this pause here yeah, for my exactly. really busyness. Just, yeah, to absolutely make sure you understand entirely why we're so really busy up here, which I just find kind of amusing but yeah you're i think you're exactly right jeff yeah uh delta kicked it off by making a saki comment which i don't think was entirely justified and uh the controller who was new on position and not really caught up with it and wasn't aware that he'd shut his engines down um reacted right you know I, yeah. I, if either of those comments had been taken out of the equation things would have been fine yeah right absolutely you could have said um Hey, we were – the Delta could have started off with, oh, we were told it was going to be a while. Are you okay if we're ready to go? And yeah. he could have said, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't realize you'd been told that. Right. Are you going to be ready or do you need to be resequenced? That would have been fine. Exactly. Said, yeah, hey, uh, sorry, we weren't – we thought we were going to be delayed a little bit more. So uh, just give us like two minutes to get the engines yeah. running and we'll be ready to go or something like that. But um, – Absolutely. Anyway, so – I thought it was an interesting exchange, and that that sort of thing happens. Well, how many times during a day? Just this is just in general outside of aviation. Do you want to tell someone you guys got to get your act together? <laughs> but you don't. But you don't actually say. But it. you don't actually say it. Come <laughs> on, right? man, get come your on, act man. together. Okay. Yes. Oh wait. Oh, good. Good one. Liz. Uh, come on, Steph. From you, it just needs a hard stare. Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's hard to, to to get a stare from Steph if you're not if you don't have her you can't see her. You got to here, let me uh like this. You can see her now. Oop. No, they were already. There we go. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Mhm. That's scary. All right. Well, that's all we have to say about that one, I think. Oh, I kind of like the person who said stop. That was Oh, yeah. Funny, I was going to mention actually. that, too. Yeah. that um, <laughs> Stan brought it back up in the chat room. Yeah. It goes like, stop. Like, stop. It was like, come on, guys. Yeah. Settle down. Come on, you kids. Get come together. On. Yeah. Can't we all just get along? That would have been a better thing to say. I would have liked that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, item C. And this is from stuff.co.nz. Right. Well, What's Z? NZ, yes. Uh, I don't know what Z News is. Or NZ. New uh, Air New Zealand and global, global aviation giant Airbus are joining forces to explore how zero emission aircraft could be flown in New Zealand. You could, you oh, could it's, like it's this. New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. I get it now. I understand. Okay. Thanks. Ooh. She's being snarky. Okay. Under a memorandum of understanding with Airbus, Air New Zealand will analyze analyze 
the impact hydrogen aircraft may have Annalise. on its network operations and infrastructure. Airbus will provide the airline with hydrogen aircraft performance requirements and ground operations to support the airline's decarbonization roadmap. Air New Zealand has a goal of net zero emissions by 2050, while Airbus has ambitions to develop a zero emission commercial aircraft by 2035. Airbus's blended wing body concept plane would carry up to 200 passengers and have a range of 3,700 kilometers. Airbus has a project called Zero E, which uh, looks to, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Zero, small E. Zero, big letters. E, E, lowercase. Small E, which looks to use hydrogen propulsion for turboprop, turbofan, and blended wing body aircraft. They would be powered by hydrogen combustion through modified gas turbine engines. Um, anyway, here, let me show you a picture of this thing, this blended body thingamajig. And let's see here. Share the picture, Jeffrey. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, share screen. And here we go. There's just got to be a better way to do this. There we go. So there is the blended body Airbus Zero Zero. Yeah. Um, concept aircraft. How would you pronounce that? Zero E. Zero E. I guess it's zero E because it's like zero emissions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Very clever. Although, you know, the airplane, uh, it's, they're going to have to make it a lot bigger to carry passengers. People? Yeah. It People. looks kind of like a drone. ugly, too. It's it ugly. is kind of ugly. It looks like a Sea yeah. Ray or something. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Stingray. Yeah, but it's got a door. So either that's a very big door. It's not going to carry 200 people in there. Um, no. I don't think so. No. Uh, unless they uh, put them in suspended animation and stack them like cords of wood. I think it's got sunroofs, though, Micah. Is that what those things are on the I top? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, Micah's... <laughs> Solar panels. Yeah. Micah's saying, as you can see, window-free yeah. aircraft are coming. And that may actually be true, sadly. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, there's not much point in having windows in a blended body. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about that? That's just interesting that um, Airbus is... Uh, well, it, we, we covered the story uh, of this style of aircraft uh, that Airbus is developing a while back. We mm-hmm. even saw a model of it flying. Uh, and That's I true. It's a great concept. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a very efficient, pardon me, aircraft design. It'd be lovely to see it happen. Um uh, so it'll be, you know, it would be the first, you know, major change in airliner design uh, that we've really seen in many decades. Uh, it would be great. Uh, and if they can combine it with an all-electric airplane with a decent range, I think people will be jumping at the chance to uh, have it. Yep. All right. Here's an interesting... Speaking of Micah, he just made a comment in our live audience. He uh, sent... This to us, uh, the news item is from the Bangor Daily News.com, Bangor, Maine. Um, Bangor International Airport will be almost entirely closed on October 4 and 5 to allow for runway repairs. Nearly every regularly scheduled flight in and out of the airport will not occur on those days, though one flight may leave in the early morning of October 4. Airport spokesperson 
Amy Thibodeau said Wednesday, Life Flight will be able to operate its helicopter at the airport, but not its fixed-wing aircraft. The airport is recommending that travelers who have booked flights for those days contact their airlines if they haven't already received notice about cancellations. For those who need to travel otherwise, the airport recommends the passengers fly out of Portland International Jetport two hours to the south. That happens to be where Maine man Micah lives. Very close to there, anyway. The repairs will address degradation in the runway's concrete that can create deformities, the airport said. The degradation is the result of the alkali silica reaction. Oh, yeah. The alkali silica. Yeah, everyone knows about that. The alkali silica. Ah, Yeah. Look at you every time. (laughs) Known commonly as concrete cancer. Duh. (laughs) I wish they'd just said that right off the top. I know. I would have not been so confused. Yeah a swelling reaction that commonly occurs in concrete over time. The Bangor City Council approved the airport uh, using unused grant funding. The Bangor City Council approved the airport using unused grant funding for the project in January. Okay. Well, anyway, Micah, his concern about this, uh, he's, uh, he was concerned that, uh, or he believes that Bangor is the first emergency landing site in the U.S. westbound from Europe and the last one in the U.S. eastbound. And so I thought, hmm, I looked at my uh, Jeppesen um, Flight Deck Pro app, and let me share that with everybody here. Why does it take so many darn clicks to do this? Uh, Because it doesn't like you. I know. Okay. There we go. Um, so that is from the uh, Flight Deck Pro app, and you can see Bangor is over here. I don't know if you can see my cursor. No, you can't. BGR Burger. Yeah, B- KBGR. Yeah, K- Burgerville. <laughs> yeah. Um, is right over here in Maine, and then of course we see a uh, several um, Canadian airports, uh, some labeled as emergency, and this one here YCH. I'm not sure what that one stands for. Do you know, Liz? Offhand. Uh, in Canada. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, where it is. it's the one in blue. C-H. Yeah, on the if I'm you look sorry. on the the one in the blue uh, C Y C H. But anyway, I don't know that one, so I don't yeah. think it's uh, sort of our field so. we'd use for Moncton, Halifax, Halifax and, and yeah, some of the others. Yeah, you got Moncton, uh, Halifax, uh, St John's up to the top there, up and here, of course yeah, there's Gander, right. which can you see Gander? Yeah, oh, it is. I can't see Gander, that's, but that's there uh, as well. I think that's Deer Lake. So you've got like yeah. four major airfields there uh, in Canada that you would normally use when you coast in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bangor is the most northerly United States airfield as opposed to Canadian airfield. Yeah. On but the East Coast. normally people would go past um, Bangor to get to somewhere sli- slightly uh, better, but... Uh, Bang is certainly usable, no reason why not. It's just going to leave a little bit of a gap between the Canadian diversions and the U.S. diversions. Well, I did um, contact Mike Carrolls, uh, the uh, dispatcher extraordinaire uh, for Acme Airlines, and I thought, you know, if anybody would know uh, what to say about this, it would be Mike. And so I, I reached out to him, and he got back with me and said, obviously, Portland, Maine, Manchester, uh, New Hampshire, Boston, Massachusetts, Syracuse, Buffalo, and I don't know why that's there. I can't get rid of it. Oh, thank you. And Albany are all nearby. The yellow circles that are not labeled are the adequate and ETOPS alternates we have in Canada. 
He said, I will say, though, it's funny that there are not any NOTAMs published yet. Mm, that sounds like an airport authority, uh, yeah. airport manager issue. So he said, basically, not well, a problem. There are a lot of alternatives that they can use in, in place of Bangor. So, yeah. I think the biggest concern are probably the passengers that are have flights booked for that day, those days. They're not going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Actually, that was um, that was occurring in Charleston, West Virginia, a few week, weekends ago when I was up there. Um, I couldn't fly in on the Saturday because they have one runway up there, and it was closed for repairs for most of the day oh. on a Saturday. Hmm. Perfect day for yeah airport repairs. Yeah. Oh, speaking of cancellations and stuff, uh, this trip that I'm on right now is this day one. Um, uh, I noticed that uh, one of the flights is canceled on Wednesday. And but the little app that we use to kind of track our flights and other information about the flights uh, doesn't say anything about it. And nobody has changed our our, our rotation yet or trip pairing. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen here if they're going to notice that there is no 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 flight for us to fly out of New Orleans on Wednesday morning. Um, going to be stranded in the big I'm, easy. I might be stranded in the big easy. I don't know. You know, I was talking with a flight attendant mm. that was commuting from. Fort Walton Beach to Atlanta this morning. And then she said, I think that they're only letting crews do like turns, like you know, from a city to New Orleans and back and not letting anybody lay over there because of the situation in New Orleans because of the, uh, the hurricane, storm, yeah, the hurricane yeah. that went through. So uh, that might be the deal. But I don't know. Just from what I can see on the information that I have on my trip, doesn't look like anybody no, is really that concerned about yeah, it. Well, so I don't care. We'll see. Maybe I'll have something to talk about on the next show, Indeed. right? Hey, you want you to get on some... that train you took? Pardon me? You can get on the train that you took for to, back to Atlanta. You know, oh, the yeah. The, the, uh, the Crescent. I think, what do they call that? The, the Crescent yeah. Yeah, the something or other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Amtrak, Amtrak. train. Amtrak yeah. Crescent City or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Does anyone want to do trivia for a moment? Yes. Let's do it. Hang on. Sure. This, is for, can, this uh, is for Jeff and Nick and Liz if she wants to play, but no no cheating. Which airport no, no is cheating. farther north in the United States? Bangor, Maine or Seattle, Washington? Well, because you're asking Seattle. the question, it's got to be Seattle. It's Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I would have said Bangor, but um, wow. Didn't realize. Seattle, okay. 47 degrees north, and Bangor, Maine was, oh, let's go back to it, 45, I think, hmm. degrees north. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, which which city is more to west. the west? Reno? Reno. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> or Los you got to wait. Sorry. Ah. Or Atlanta. I was I was going to yeah, say wrong. Seattle's more west. <laughs> Seattle is more west. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, this is, yeah, not good. <laughs> Reno is farther west than Los Angeles, yes. if anyone wants to know. Yeah, because you think, at least most of us think that uh, Los well, Angeles being on the west coast. Because your brain just things up into north, south, it's east, on the west. Coast, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, fascinating stuff, folks. Fascinating this stuff. This is the kind of thing that you can use to impress your family and friends at dinner when there's no good conversation left. Just, you know. Exactly. Thank us later. 
<laughs> or thank us now. Your choice. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Thank you, Micah, for your concern, but I guess it's they got it under control, apparently. Uh, item E, news. It looks like a C-130 seaplane is finally happening, and this is from The Drive. Now, I don't know about you. These are artist renderings, and I guess we're going to have to share this again. What's but going on there? I'm, I, when I'm, I'm reading this from The Drive, um, dot com, I'm thinking to myself, are we, is this like The Onion, an article from like a satire uh, magazine? Did they draw water on the undersurface of the airplane? Like- well, so these are just artist renderings of idea. Okay, well, let me set this up. Um, Air Force Special Operations Command says it needs an MC-130J on floats, and it looks like it has a plan to get it. Now, here's you can see that picture there. Um, I, I'm thinking that that – I know it's just an artist rendering. It's not an actual photo because they haven't actually created this thing yet. But seeing a C-130 on these huge floats that look like floats you'd put on like a J-3 Cub or something like an amphibious float. So they, they have both floats for landing and taking off in water, but also wheels that can come out so you can actually operate this on land. And I'm thinking, I don't know that that looks like it would work. But anyway, back in May, we reported on the fact that U.S. Air Force Special Operations Command, AFSOC, really wanted to, or is that AFSOC? I bet that's the way they say that. Really wanted to make the long-standing dream of a C-130 seaplane a reality. In fact, the so-called MC-130J Amphibious Capability, or MAC, was listed as one of its new procurement priorities. While we had a grainy little rendering of what this could look like when we filed that report, as well as other historical design concepts, we now have a better, far better look at exactly what they want. And yes, it's a C-130 on floats. Actually, they have put forward a number of similar float plane concepts, some more traditional looking, looking, while others are more streamlined, conformal, and futuristic looking. The capability appears to include the requirement for amphibious operations. In other words, the MC-130 can still land on a runway with the floats fitted. Uh, So anyway, the article goes on to talk about the capabilities of the 130 and everything else. Here's a picture of it. Well, it looks like they've landed on a couple of blue whales. Uh, honestly, they're huge. I mean, I, I can see them working. Why not? The 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 full length, the fuselage, and they're you know they're wide enough space to be to give good stability. But they're just vast. I can't imagine. I mean, the the Herc isn't a fast airplane at the best of times. With those two damn great things strapped under it, uh, you know, I can imagine it'll just crawl along. So, I mean, and what's this? amazing ability that they have been waiting so long for uh, i'm trying to work out when and why it's so important for them to have this particular type of aircraft what role will it perform i mean it's it's uh you know it's a bit beyond me but there you go i'm sure it will actually work it just won't be very practical that, that's neat. I like that one. Yeah. I love this one here. That, that's, uh, translucent, uh, that's the new camouflage. Uh, they haven't quite got C-130. it right yet, uh, but eventually they'll Fast it'll rest. match all or the surrounding rest. area, so yeah. it'll just blend in. I guess. I don't know. Not <laughs> even really sure what we're looking at there. But uh, anyway, what do you think, Steph? you think this is uh, like a joke, or is this real, or what? I have no idea. Um do they really oh, it just need looks that? Really funny to me, but apparently well, they do. Well, just artist rendering. Yeah. at the moment. 
True. I just was confused as to why they like drew uh, why they painted. Oh, on this the first bottom, one? like yeah, like they're painting the water line on it or something. I don't know. But it doesn't sit that far in the water. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I don't know. To be continued. To be continued. Another one of those things where you kind of go, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. All right. Uh, next up, uh, let's uh, head over on the other side of the uh, the big pond. Uh, this is from express.co.uk. Uh, the Red Arrows uh, say, UK firm to win deal to replace aging jets. UK firm Aralis is almost certain to win a contract to replace the Red Arrows aging jets, sources said last night. The RAF's elite aerobatic display team have been using the Hawk T1 Hawk for uh, for more than 40 years to fly the British flag in almost 5,000 public displays at home and abroad. But concerns about safety have pressured defense chiefs to accelerate its replacement previously marked for 2030, and a decision is expected to be announced before Christmas. It follows more than 15 years of lobbying by the RAF with investment-hungry Army and Royal Navy chiefs successfully arguing that equipment for frontline operations such as armored vehicles and Helmand remain a priority. What's what's that? What's Helmand? Is that a region, Nick? Helmand, the Helmand province. Oh, okay. That's, uh, isn't that yeah. part of Afghanistan? I have no idea. I've never heard of it. I don't know. All right. Uh, now, just three weeks after the last British... So- oh, yeah. Look at that. Since the last uh, British soldier left Afghanistan, the decision has been made to fund 12 new aircraft, nine for the team, and three operational spares. Behind his dazzling displays, uh, the Red Arrows, based at RAF Scrampton, shows... Scrampton? I'm sorry, Scampton. Scrampton. Uh, Scranton. <laughs> RAF Scranton. Scranton. Oh, Scranton. PA. Pennsylvania. Uh, where they film The Office, Uh Uh, showcases British industry, and this combined with the government's global British aspirations means the new plane must be UK-built. Sources say the RAF has uh, its sights on Aralis, which has already designed the first British jet fighter since the 70s and has been awarded a three-year research and development contract with the RAF. Last night, an RAF source said the Red Arrows promote British industry and the plane needs to be made in the UK. Aralis will design, develop, and deliver the Hawk T1 replacement. Though officially the order date has been uh, being played down, given that it will take at least five years or longer before the plane is in operational service, there is an acute awareness that the decision has to be made soon. Uh, and then now here's a different spelling of the uh, company or Arioli's. <laughs> I think that's a, I what? don't think that's right. Um, you see that Ar- paragraph there? Aureoles. 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 But everywhere else it's written Aralis. I think that's a typo. Where are these editors? They're just not catching these things. Um, it's producing five variants. The first of which has completed phase one and phase two development is due to fly in 2024. The unique modular system means that each variant will share a common core fuselage and avionics, but everything else from the tail to the wings and engines can be customized to suit the client. The firm has received funding from the RAF's Rapid Capabilities Office, also leading work on Britain's new Tempest Future Combat Air System, uh, FCAS, and RCO Chief Air Commodore Jez Holmes 
said that the Arialis concept offers an extremely disruptive approach to design, modeling, and certification processes in military aircraft. So have you ever heard of this company, Nick, Arialis? No, I knew nothing about this until I saw this. Uh, I mean, I didn't think it was uh, so pressing to uh, replace the Hawks. Now, I can understand them wanting to replace the Hawk T1, Geez, uh, that was uh, you know coming into service when I was going through my flying training as a student, uh, and both Nigel and I, as we um, talked about on um, plane tours recently, um, we were f- instructing on them in the early eighties. So they're they're pretty long in the tooth. But since then, of course, British Aerospace has continued to develop the Hawk uh, and the Hawk one hundred series. Uh, in fact, uh, the series that the Air Force bought was the Hawk 128, uh, the, uh, they, which the RAF calls the Hawk uh, T Mark II, has been around for, you know, um, uh, about, uh, I'm trying to think, 2000, somewhere around there. So it, it's not that old. Uh, and I th- thought if the Reds wanted to change, uh, they could probably um, move on to those. So, yeah. Uh, as a basic airframe, but um, it appears like they, they're looking for the next complete generation of trainer, and traditionally the Red Arrows have always flown the advanced jet trainer, uh, be it the Nat uh, or the uh, Hawk. So, yeah, uh, it, ju- it just looks a very odd-looking airplane. Um, this, it is. It uh, looks kind of boxy-ish. Yeah. yeah, it looks, uh, I hate to say it, really ugly Uh yeah, it looks it. incredibly fat fuselage or deep fuselage. Um, uh, yeah, it just doesn't look aerodynamic wing. I can't quite work that out. Incredibly short and stubby. Perhaps your modular design allows you to put another 10 feet in the fuselage length, which will make it look a bit nicer. But uh, it's kind of sloppy-nosed. That little jet, the little experimental jet, the BD five or whatever. Mm. Um, do you remember oh, that little yeah. like one man? Yeah, that, that's what it reminds good. me of. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, but it's got Except two tiny bigger version of pilots stuck in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're very small people, but yeah, really, yeah, I mean, they, that's what it reminds me. Change the recruitment. They're going to get four foot pilots from now on. <laughs> the Munchkins. Greater than five foot one. Yeah, don't bother. absolutely. Yeah, um, hmm. but I, you know, you know I, I hope the Reds kind of get a a voice in this because uh, if they're going to be made to fly those, I think they'll be looking. Oh my lord, it will be the joke of the um, display. <laughs> I think I'll circuit. fly something else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hopefully, I they're mean, just very highly yeah. maneuverable and can do all kinds of interesting displays. Well, with any luck, their vertical takeoff and that'll look really impressive as a nine ship gets able yes. vertically. Went. Yes. <laughs> no, they're not. Ah, <laughs> uh, it'll okay. be one of the model modules. Uh, plug in the vertical takeoff module uh, blocks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, sir. And all they can do is take off vertically, hover, and come back down. <laughs> oh, you wanted <laughs> yeah. to go? Dive I forward. forgot. Well, that's forward. the no, forward that's module. A module. <laughs> I can only have one module at a time. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. Yeah. Don't worry. I'll probably be dead by then, so that's fine. <laughs> Me too. I'll drink to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cheers. Oh, uh, more this way. We all need oh. a drink. Cheers. 
All right. No, it's over. Your camera's over there. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I keep thinking that the camera's right there. I should like move this thing so I keep don't keep looking at it. There we go. All right. Well, finally, uh, we have this last item in the um, in the uh, news folder. All right. Now, you may wonder. You may wonder a lot, actually. If you're Did watching. you know more trivia? Yeah. That this is my favorite karaoke song to sing. I did because <laughs> she told me that like what 15 minutes ago, 20 and a half an hour ago, whatever before we started the will show. And she's album? not going to sing. It, it will be on my new album. <laughs> Tequila. Tequila. Very good. All right. Got it. Yes. So the reason why I'm playing that is that uh, this article from the Wall Street Journal, company uh, tequila bottles were found on the new Boeing Air Force One jet in development. Company has faced problems of factory, well, we say debris, and you call it. I would say debris. And you say, uh, Nick, What? how do you say that? Debris. 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 Uh, found in. De- okay. Uh, debris. Or, debris. Yeah, one debris, of those. Potato, yeah. potato. Uh, debris found in commercial military aircraft in recent years. Um, two empty liquor bottles were found this month on one of Boeing Company's new Air Force One planes under development in San Antonio. People familiar with the matter said. The discovery of miniature... Oh, they're miniature bottles. Come on. Yeah, that's, I love this. All the title, you think, you're think thinking two damn great big liter bottles of tequila have been I discovered know, now. They're thinking. two miniatures. <laughs> that, that that's what that's what Steph's dreaming of over there I think I hate tequila oh, you do oh that's yeah. sad I love tequila um and that's your favorite if that's well it's my favorite karaoke song doesn't mean it's my favorite drink well we'll have to change that I think tequila <laughs> okay. shots have their moment in life I think it's very appropriate yeah to I could actually use a couple right now lick your <laughs> lick your salty stuff and then family show to try and disguise tough, tough the taste of the filthy liquor that you're about <laughs> squirt to the lime in your eye snort the salt <laughs> and then drink your tequila i think that that's steps goes, had a right? bad experience with this whole thing <laughs> yeah. Who, what me never yeah she's been scarred yeah you're it's she true. has been scarred no more tequila for stuff yeah no. Okay, um, so let's see. The discovery of miniature bottles of tequila uh, on one of future U.S. presidential jets under investigation by the company, those people said. Those people. <laughs> or these people. The people who are familiar with the matter. It could, it those could, people. It couldn't be determined where on the plane the bottles were discovered. <laughs> okay. This what is, kind of a new story is this? This could have been. This whole thing is kind of falling apart now that we're yeah. reading it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, tequila on an airplane. Who okay. suggested we add this? I'm Who the one that suggested it, Liz. I but but I couldn't read. I didn't. They, they only give it like a snippet of the article because I don't have a Wall Street Click Journal. Bait. Yeah, but I don't. I don't have a Wall Street Journal oh, um, account. account. And so I I was on the train this morning and I saw this and I I texted Liz and I said, "You have a Wall Street Journal account, right?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, here, take a look at this." And I said, "I can play." That tequila song. <laughs> that was that's, well, that's the real the reason, only we're reason we've got this, this piece it, of news. Yes, ah, it yes. is. That's ah. the actual reason. <laughs> and that Excellent. is honestly, it's true. Okay. Uh, t- 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 it's time events. to move on. 
It's it's I think uh, better than any other reason. Oh, I think. that's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we should move on then. Liz mm-hmm. is saying, okay, let's cut this. Let's Go. pull the plug on the news. It's been a, a disaster. What? It's been great. <laughs> and I think now hasn't been that good. <laughs> good to have you back, Nick. <laughs> okay. It's a big Get delay to today, us. you know. I know. I've noticed that. We're really not trying to talk all over you. It just happens that way because we can't tell when you're talking. I think, yeah, the the internet here apparently is causing not the great. problem. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Anywho, uh, getting to know us is uh, that segment of the show where we get together and talk about what we've been doing since the last episode. And I'm going to cut over to Steph's camera and she's going to tell us everything that she's been doing since, what, Tuesday Tuesday, last week. Last week. I yeah. feel like I should pull a calendar up. Um, I yes, I should. Well, let me think. So, um, I don't think I did much of anything during the week. I worked. Yes, that was quite boring. Um, celebrated a friend's birthday on Friday evening. It was quite nice outside. So, we spent some time eating pizza outdoors and having a few celebratory beers. And then... Saturday started off the day bright and early with um, the Drop Zone was hosting a kind of impromptu um, sisters in skydiving um, event. So I agreed to be on that first jump with a couple of other ladies, new um, women jumping at our Drop Zone. So that was a lot of fun to to do and share with them. And then we ended up flying a whole bunch on Saturday. Um, Weather was not great yesterday. Lots of low cloud cover and um, broken ceilings, kind of low-ish um, but cleared up a little bit in the afternoon, so we we brought out the 182, and we let uh, the fun jumpers do some uh, lower level hop and pop jumps from about uh, 6,000 MSL. Hop and pop, hop, hop and pops. Um, I did two hop and pops. That was fun. A four way hop and pop. That was interesting. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I flew the last two loads, and um, uh, now all it's I hope was four way. Four way. <laughs> I know. Yes. That got my attention. Four way. <laughs> Four-way yeah. hop and pop. Well, not really so much a hop and pop. We got out at 6,000, so we had some time to mess around for about, I don't know, 10 seconds or so, and then get out oh, of each other. Oh, you can only leg. mess around for 10 seconds? Hmm. Yeah, that's you know, just you gotta pretty be, you short got, it, was quali- it was quality, though. <laughs> it was very quality. <laughs> okay. High-quality 10 seconds in that four-way. Cool. Uh, that's what I always say. <laughs> they never buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little bit tricky. It's all about how you get started. It's a quality 10 seconds. <laughs> I have no idea. Are we still talking about skydiving? Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, yes. we're trying. <laughs> I was. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, I don't either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was overall a really nice weekend. Um, just back to the, the grind this week. Um, a couple more weeks of lots of work, work and then work, work, lots of running work, to follow work, after that. Work, so work, stay tuned. Work, 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 Excellent. Mm-hmm. How's, that, how's the running going? Mm-hmm. Haven't done nearly enough, but we'll... Uh, Forwards, <laughs> Forwards, not backwards. Um, what what day is it? Is it the 20th? Today is the 20th of September. You better... Yeah. I should, well, yeah. at this point, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Yeah, okay. What's been done is done, and hopefully my feet will get me through all the distance. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? I mean, that was Meetups a, or anything? That was a pretty... What's that? Any meetups or anything like that? Meetups? Anything? No. No. Not with 
not with anyone that anyone here would know. So no, no APG community things. Okay. Very good. Nick, you know, we missed you on the last show. You were on holiday in uh, Cornhole. Um, and <laughs> I think that's Cornhole. how it's pronounced. I heard Cornhole. that. <laughs> I think the people in Cornhole will be very upset with you right now. No, the people in Cornhole won't. The people in Cornwall, Cornwall. maybe. <laughs> they might be. <laughs> Yeah, they're thinking yeah, so of how renaming your... Cornwall to Paywall. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, we, it was nice uh, for you to have sent the uh, recording um, from Cornwall, and uh, that we enjoyed that, and uh, you're back now. So how, how long have you been back um, in Liss? Uh, not that long. We got back... Uh sort of Friday. So just had the weekend uh, at home and I was supposed to be doing dog shoot uh, on Sunday, but uh, the weather turned against me, but I haven't had time to do much other than prep for today's uh, interview, I, which I did. Um, I'll come on to that in a second. So uh, the first thing I just want to mention is that the meetup for uh, next Saturday, the 25th of September, uh, is still on. The weather looks like it'll be reasonable. Uh, sunny intervals, hopefully uh, no rain. So fingers crossed for that. Um, just a reminder, uh, I'll be there at uh, the Hangar Cafe, Fairax Airport, between 10 on me and 2. And uh, all being well, I'm going to, um, first of all, invite the young lady called Grace, who uh, uh, now does the job that I was doing some, like, 47 years ago or whatever it was uh, back in the uh, early 70s. Uh, she's doing the exact same job that I was doing, uh, basically, uh, um, working at the uh, uh, flying school as a general dog's buddy. Um, and she's going to talk to me, uh, talk to us all about the flying school and about the airport a little, for a little bit. And then I'm going to um, relate basically a uh, off-the-cuff plain tale about the things that happened during the uh, short time I was at <laughs> this airport, some of which quite dramatic. Uh, so uh, some accidents involving other people and a very near accident involving me. So uh, um, that, that's just uh, going to occupy about uh, half an hour, past 45 minutes, starting at 12. I will warn um, uh, everybody or anybody who's coming that the airport doesn't have a huge number of facilities, so the cafe is quite small. Uh, the viewing area is quite small, um, it, so it's not a uh, perhaps an ideal place to come and spend the day. But if you want to come and uh, chat to uh, fellow APGers, uh, you know it's it's going to be lovely to see everyone there and uh, have a bit of a yak, um, and you'll be able to grab a you know uh, an all day breakfast or something uh, just to. Uh, oh, I like all days. Eat if you want. Yeah, I know. It's good. Uh, the the, the cafe is quite small. So just be prepared <laughs> for that. I'm, uh, I've actually asked the flying school to see if they can uh, block off a few <laughs> parking spaces so we've got room for everybody because I think we're going to be a bit short of space. Anyway, that's that. Uh, it'll, be what it, it'll, it'll be what it is. So, you know, just look, you know, enjoy it as best you can. Uh, now, um, today I just mentioned I did an interview. Uh, it was uh, partly for PTUK and also for my own benefit because um, I wanted to uh, have an interview for Plain Tales. 
And uh, very kindly, um, our fine friend Neville Bounds came all the way down. He had to drive quite a long way because the airfield is sort of near Stonehenge and it's a good three and a half, four hour drive from for him there and another four hours back. Um, but he came and set up all his cameras and I interviewed a lovely chap called Mike Wildman who um, has had a fascinating career in aviation. Uh, and um, his life, in fact, has been uh, quite fascinating. Um, he's had several near-death experiences, um, and um, he told us all about that. And he's also suffered, in addition to that, a life-changing uh, operation. Uh, um, uh, subsequently, which kind of led him into what he is currently doing, which is uh, he was certainly in 2019 the leader of the world's only uh, disabled formation, flying formation team. And um, he tells us all about that, which is quite remarkable, the three um, guys who did that, uh, two of them amputees, one of them um, more or less paraplegic, uh, and how they managed to do that. Anyway, he's moved on now. And uh, he and his uh, wingman are now uh, flying the Yak-50, uh, and possibly Yak-52, to one's a two-seater and uh, one's single-seater. Uh, these uh, sort of 50s-designed Soviet trainers, but very sturdy, very powerful, fully aerobatic, sort of plus seven, minus five, something absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and... Uh, he uses the aircraft um, at this airfield called Henstridge near Stonehenge. And um, he, he is going to, hopefully, with enough sponsorship, um, form a, a formation team with just the two of them, uh, these two amputees. And um, they're going to be able to do full uh, aerobatics uh, in formation, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, so um, fingers crossed that he gets enough sponsorship to do that. Uh, certainly at the moment, if you're going to REAT, the uh, in International Air Tattoo, next year, uh, you will see on the Friday uh, his formation team all being well because that's one of the places they're booked next year. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it's a remarkable tribute and a great proof that regardless of your disability, uh, there is an enormous amount you can achieve, and he's living proof of that. So uh, quite incredible. Uh, I'm going to uh, possibly get one or two plain tales by cherry-picking the best bits out of this interview, but uh, the full interview, uh, and, of course, uh, beautifully videotaped by um, Neville, will be on PTUK in the you know, months ahead. And uh, I think we've got a little snip of um, that video. Uh, so many thanks for uh, giving us your time. Thanks, Nick. It's lovely to see you again, and I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to you today. Excellent. Um, Mike, look, I'm going to take you right back to the beginning, if I may, and we can work through your fascinating life. Um, tell us about your family. Um... So there you go. There's Mike, and there's the airplane. We're on the airfield the ambient noises it was really brilliant and uh, i promise you his story is quite incredible a remarkable man uh, i was very lucky to fly with him many times in virgin atlantic and uh, he uh, rose to become a, a captain of a340s and a330s um later on uh 
this week, I'll also be appearing on uh, Ant Pruitt's show. Now, he's a fantastic friend and a listener of APG. Uh, Ant Pruitt, uh, amongst many things, is a podcaster and videographer with uh, Twit, uh, This Week in Technology. They have several channels, uh, sort of Twit TV, it's uh, called. And I believe he's in the, this week in Google. But uh, the one he does on his own is called uh, Hands-On Photography. And being a photographer, I've always taken a great interest in that show. And uh, very professional, very nice, uh, and is a brilliant photographer. And he knows an awful lot about photography. That's super. Uh, and he very kindly uh, asked me to come on to the show and talk about dog photography. So I'm going to be doing that later on this week and then sort of a, a few weeks in the future uh, we will, uh, that show will go out. So looking forward to doing that. Uh, Ant's just a super guy, terribly enthusiastic, and it'll be an absolute pleasure uh, chatting to uh, him. So look out for that show. In fact, look out for all his uh, shows. They're only relatively short segments, usually like 15 minutes, sometimes stretching a little bit more than that. But uh, look for that at uh, twit.tv, uh, and uh, you can follow the links there or just go twit.tv forward slash shows forward slash hands hyphen on hyphen photography. And uh, you'll find that all very exciting. Looking forward to doing that. Well, we'll certainly have a link to Ant's show um, in the show notes. So people don't have to remember all that URL gobbledy, gobbledygook. That you just uh, <laughs> yeah. well, it's usually right. Goose or mm. yes, yeah. Anywho, uh, Ant, great guy, um, yeah. and he's a huge Clemson University fan. He is Clemson Tigers. Yeah, Clemson um, yeah. I, I haven't met, heard I met, the um, uh, this Ant week here. in Gobbledygook show, but is there one? I don't know. I, I think so. Um, if if oh, not, okay. this show is there. It? Should be yes, yeah, there's this also, show. Yes, <laughs> yeah. No, I met Aunt very close to here, like just down the street with Tanya one time. Well, I'm I'm so happy, and that's cool that you're going to be on uh, Aunt's show, and that uh, little teaser there of that interview that you were doing with uh, what'd you say his name was Mike? Um, is yeah, it possible Mike, Mike that you Wild could have ac- actually had a shorter tease than that? <laughs> <laughs> I could have anyway. done, yeah, but it wouldn't have yeah. meant, um, yeah. I could have done. I could have not had a tease at all if you want. No, it was great. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, can't wait to hear about this uh, meetup in Fair Oaks uh, this coming Saturday. That sounds exciting. I'm sure that you'll be talking about it on our next episode. Yeah. Hopefully. If the plain tale is any good, I will uh, record it and put it out as a plain tale. We'll see how it goes. Good. It'll be good to see you put out. All right, uh, <laughs> let's uh, move on to. Oh, I guess I should Please. say a little something. Yeah, a little something. Yeah, the latency is really, really bad today. I'm. I apologize. I, well, I apologize, but I don't know what for what. But uh, because I have no control over this. But um, all right, let's see. Evernote. That's what I'm looking for. My notes. Um, so I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, one of the news sources that we use for aviation news. Uh, quite a bit is uh, Simon Radke's um, aviationherald.com. Um, 
Do we actually what? know how to pronounce his last name? Well, that's the way I'm pronouncing it. You said, you told me, Jeff, you need to pronounce things with confidence like you know. <laughs> that's fine. Fair enough. Carry on. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if it's, Red, it's, it, well, so it's weird. It's H-R-A-D. Yeah. Red, Radecki. 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 I, I have know. no idea. We should probably get Simon to, to tell us tell us what how to pronounce his name. Anyway, he had um, a little note in the uh, Aviation Herald on the 14th of September. And he said, last Tuesday, September 7th, I was scheduled to take a precautionary medical check and undergo ultrasound examination, sonography. While the doctor was still hand, handling the ultrasound head, he remarked, quote, well, you know, you got a football in your belly. That's what you want to hear. Yeah, no. I have to say, I never knew I had shot off my mouth that large that I could have swallowed a whole football, <laughs> nor did I have any clue how a football would be able to enter my belly. Seeing my shock looked uh, seeing my shocked look on my face, the doctor quickly turned around and told me, "Nothing to worry. It's just a benign giant cyst. Diameter 19 centimeters. Absolutely nothing appears malignant. Uh, the doctor couldn't determine with certainty where the cyst would attach to and therefore uh, recommended to conduct a CT. My house practitioner followed that recommendation when I was able to get a hold of him on Thursday and issued a referral to a uh, CT Institute. I managed to get an appointment. Uh, they confirmed the size and determined the cyst was sitting on the top of the right-hand kidney. It ruled out a lot of other options, such as uh, and as such was rather good, and also determined there's nothing malignant with that cyst. Uh, so anyway, he uh, did some further um, testing and such, and uh, he is scheduled to have the cyst removed entirely. And because they d deemed that draining the cyst was insufficient and monitoring it was not a real option. And so uh, this laparop uh, laparoscopic, 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 laparoscopic. Sorry, I was just going to let him work it out. Loose. I know. Thank you. You're uh -huh. just letting me dangle. Okay, well, we would have uh, floundered and drowned while we were waiting. Um, <laughs> no. Steph, I thought that was keyhole surgery. How do you get a football through a keyhole? A very large keyhole. It's like, you know, when they build those ships in bottles? <laughs> I think it's a similar process. <laughs> That's like that. How do they do that? <laughs> well, they tie lots of bit of cotton to it. And, yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. I, I, take your I don't word know. for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I think they drain out all the fluid and then just bring it out. That's very way, that's way too. It's now estimated to take place in four to six weeks and will keep me in the hospital for five days. Oh, wow. So, uh, so basically, the reason why we wanted to mention this is because we love you, Simon. We love your site and the, the, it's such a great source of information for our show and others. And uh, we hope that uh, this goes well, and, and we're positive it will. We're confident that it will. But um, we're, we'll be thinking about you here Absolutely. at the uh, Airline Pilot Guy podcast. Get well soon. Yes. Absolutely. Right. And good luck. Just, just a oh shoot. We're frozen, right? <laughs> no, no, we're back. No, you're not. No, you're, you're, you're thawed back. now. You're good. <laughs> you were just just momentarily.
Did you hear uh, any kind of sound associated when the when my iPhone bean. that I'm using as a camera was ringing? Oh, is that what it was? So you know, like okay. I I never get calls from anybody, but you know, I mentioned uh, maybe before we started uh, recording the show that my my trip this week is. No, we didn't. We, we we're actually recording this show, and I think when we were talking about uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, that was a call from uh, Acme Airlines. I think they somebody has finally figured out <laughs> that, they <laughs> that you, they be, need to figure out what to do with you. Yeah, <laughs> when you're when you go to New Orleans. So I have a feeling now that that my my trip has changed a bit. We'll find out <laughs> after we after we finish the show. Anywho, so uh, we wanted to remind everyone that um, there is a Meetup in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, let's see. And it's uh, still scheduled for October 9th, Saturday, October 9th at 12 p.m. And if you want information about where it's going to be, it's, well, I'll tell you, it's at the Fargo Airport at the Jet Center. Um, I believe that's what they called it. Yeah, Fargo Jet Center. And they're going to go and eat lunch at a um, place called the Shack on Broadway. They may actually have time to head over to the Fargo Air Museum as well. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, please contact Kelly Kirk on Slack or send an email to feedback at airlinepilotguy.com and then we'll uh, connect you with Kelly and you can get all the details. So there you go. Just wanted to mention that again. And uh, also, I don't think I uh, made an overlay of this, so I'm going to double-click and I'm going to share it with everybody because we, we're going to talk about the artwork for the last episode. And, and I am so happy that Nick was able to do this because uh, I didn't. I thought I was going to have to do the artwork for that episode. Glenn Towler. It was Glenn, yes. credit Glenn Towler. Okay, we're going to we're going to uh, credit Glenn Towler for the idea for the title of the last episode which was Underwater Wing Walker and Nick did a beautiful job of um I like illustrating the puffer fish portraying, inside of the other portraying Yes, portraying this whole thing and yeah, the puffer fish with a inside of the what was is it looks that like, like a, a piranha. piranha like a big giant piranha and then a puffers fish he's like in jail there like, did you Ooh. did you notice my helmet right here I did yeah it's yes. very nice it's um yeah. the nice orange skydiver deep deep diver yeah it's a strange yeah it's more of a scuba you've got there uh, yeah and i love the uh that picture of steph on on the top wing yeah i i, I modeled it on her yeah so um well, the bits very of clever. it anyway other bits i had used my imagination Ah, okay. Well, a mermaid on top of the, uh, like the top wing. Ah, the shark is very nice. Yes. Is there something significant that he's I'm missing regarding that? He's going to... Oh, he's about to... Oh, I get it. He's about, he's about to bite my head off. <laughs> I did not notice that until you just pointed it out. Was there a Slack discussion regarding the... Was there a Slack discussion regarding the episode title? Um, I don't know. No, I don't either. I no. don't know. Yeah. Sorry, I boxes. We don't know. Yeah. We're slackers on Slack. Oh, I was wondering why you were asking that question. Because I pay attention the to the chat room. Ah, yeah. Well, we anyway, very nice job. Did anyone know what type two. of airplane that was? Um, a biplane. Yeah, it's a blue biplane. It's underwater. 
underwater blue, blue <laughs> pipe playing with Acme, fly Acme on it. What is it? I don't know. I what? think it's a sock with camel, but um, hmm. I would they say it was. A, yes, I whole boxes thinks it's a sock with camel. It's a sopping well. wet camel. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. there you go. Okay. Well, did you get the hump? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of a personal question. <laughs> no, do you get what, the right um, camel, do you get two humps? Oh, uh, okay. Depends on the type of camel. <laughs> where where did right. we go wrong? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know, but it was a long ways back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it all you know, I think maybe we should just stop. start the show early. I was going to say, why don't we just stop and, and like just restart the show from the beginning? Coffee fund. <laughs> Coffee fund. Okay. Yay. Here we go. Yay. <laughs> oh, what a train wreck. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community coffee and tea and the java and me a cup a cup a cup a cup a cup all right that's jeff smith singing the apg version of the java jive which is what we like to play when we talk about our wonderful folks who contribute to the show financially a couple of different ways to do that one we call the coffee fund classic method via PayPal, basically, uh, for a one-time, one-off donation or recurring donation. Several people do that. Um, since the last episode, we have Jenny Parkinson in Rome. Uh, she has a recurring um, donation. And Chris Randall, recurring as well. And David Lieb, uh, up there in uh, Massachusetts. Another recurring contribution there. So if you want to uh, check that out, uh, head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. Also, another way to be a financial supporter is to become a patron of the show via patreon.com. And since the last episode, no new patrons. So if you want to learn again more about how you can be part of the Coffee Fund Cadre, the Coffee Bar Fund, please head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. And we will Captain, incoming message. Let's start with Greg. He says, the way I heard it with Mike Rowe, the pilot and the passenger. Oh, look at that. There's our uh, big ass fan, Greg Peterson. Of course, he works for the big ass fan company. And there is a photo. Remember that, Nick, about uh, two years ago when we uh, stopped in... uh, Lexington at the uh, Big Ass Fan Company. Yeah, that was great. That's Greg Peterson over there. Anyway, uh, hey crew, when I heard Captain Nick's plane tale from episode 486, artists or artists, I guess, I thought it sounded familiar. Turns out that Mike Rowe, the guy from Dirty Jobs, had done the same story on an episode of his The Way I Heard It podcast. I have full confidence that Captain Nick did his own research And the stories are remarkably similar. So now I've heard it from two independent sources. So the story must be true. Well done, as always, Nick. And he's, of course, referring to the uh, Charlton Heston. uh, No, not Charlton Heston. um, Clint Clint, Clint Eastwood. Eastwood. 
Clint Eastwood um, story about the uh, hitching the ride and the crash into the ocean. And Mm -hmm. yeah, pretty amazing. Um, I think, though, Greg seems to be inferring, Nick, that you perhaps that you stole plagiarized. Yeah, plagiarized it from from Mike Rose. (laughs) podcast i i don't think so mike rose um has a sort of a, a caveat to his stories like it's how i heard it uh, which sort of um removes any necessity for him to follow the facts so mm. he was able to um dramatize a, a large proportion of his story oh, uh, okay. as if anyone knew what they were saying on the aircraft um, so I, I found from various sources uh, a, a more basic um, description of what went on, um, which I think is, is fairly well backed up. And I didn't even know he'd done it. And actually, when I listened to it, I was going, well, that's a bit naff, actually, because, you know, it doesn't sound like uh, – <laughs> I shouldn't say so that. So, Mike if you're listening – yeah, you if should have a bad mouth can... someone else's podcast, should you? Because uh... <laughs> right into I'm offended, Captain Nick at Airline. Exactly. I, right. I, you know, I have but, a feeling um, that Mike Rowe is not listening to the show. <laughs> you don't yeah, know. exactly. Well, maybe or he's a huge so fan. I, I thought oh. his effort was okay, yeah. but I don't think it was written by an aviator. He he read it off a script. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So uh, uh, I don't think yeah. he wrote it himself. I don't know. I might be I might be wrong in that. So there you go. Uh, all I can say is that, uh, you know, I, I use the best information I can get for all these stories. And I do my utmost to corroborate uh, the facts that I receive. And uh, I try not to go into dramatization. I try and stick to the facts. But um, there you go. So what I'm hearing here is Nick's version of the story is much more factual. A- accurate. And yes. accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it, I think well, it, it sticks closer to the generally agreed story. Uh, the truth. That has been published by many different uh, outlets. We get it. Yours is great and his was rubbish. <laughs> I didn't Got say it. that. <laughs> right. Certainly didn't um, say that. That's, well, that's what I heard. That's what we, the way we heard it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way we heard it. Very good stuff. Well, your that. ears Bring it need all. cleaning out. Dr. Steph, have you got a ear syringe handy? No. No. Why would I have that? This well, I so know, because Jeff's ears need syringing. <laughs> yeah. If that's what yes, he Liz, heard. Liz is trying to say something. What? So if Nick wants to go off to bed early, I suggest we could do 9, 10, and 12 next. 9, 10, and 12, because okay. there's a different Nick, and then he can okay. go off. Okay. Uh, she is suggesting that we go for, uh, 9, 10, 10 and 12. 12. 10, 12. Uh, because they are uh, pieces of feedback that um, you would be good to have here when we played it, Nick. And then that way, um, if you're feeling a bit tired, then you can head off to Dreamland. Oh, I know it's that that sounds good. I, I would like to go before midnight if that's all right. Okay. I've got a, I had a busy day. Very good. Very good. So let's move then to... Uh, item number nine. And this is from CFI John. This is Captain Nick. Love the plane tales, especially the ones about specific aircraft you did such as... Why is there a comma there? Okay. (laughs) That is not supposed to be a comma there. Let me try this again. 
Love the plane tales, especially the ones about specific aircraft you did, such as the B-58 Hustler and B-36 Peacemakers. When I was just visiting the U.S. Air Force Museum in Dayton last week, I remember that, that you'd done the planes, plane tales about them and had to go back and find the ones I could recall and re-listen. Wait. And then he had to go back and find the ones that he could recall and re-listen to those plane tales about those airplanes. Uh, while actually looking at and walking through and around the displays. It completely brought the exhibit alive with the stories you told while actually seeing them in person. Keep up the great work. This is CFI John from Oregon. What a and nice he said, Sorry, Captain Jeff, I missed being able to meet up in Dayton by a day. Oh, yeah, I was in Dayton a couple of weeks ago. I uh, met up with uh, Paul mm-hmm. Hagen. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, go ahead, uh, Nick. Well, I was just going to say, Chef John is now my favorite, <clears throat> excuse me, human being in the world, much nicer than you two. Uh, and uh, I, I wrote to him uh, we saying love you, that Nick. <laughs> actually, well, uh, after I'd written all of these tales, uh, you know, it was then an absolute delight to go around uh, the museum and see these aircraft in the flesh. I found it an absolute uh, joy. So I, I think I got as much from that experience as uh, perhaps uh, you did from doing it as a, as a listener. Um, so I th- thank you very much indeed for your very kind comments. Um, in addition, uh, of course, they had the uh, lifting body uh, X aircraft, uh, so the, the flying flat iron, the flying potato, and all those there as well. Uh, and that, again, was uh, another um, you know, series of aircraft that I had talked about, and I just was amazed to see these actual aircraft um, in the flesh. It was absolutely brilliant. So so it is a fabulous museum. We had a wonderful time there, Jeff, didn't we? Thoroughly enjoyed it. Great time. Great time. Mm. And driving up to the um, museum, it was fun too. (laughs) It was a great trip. All right, uh, item number 10, feedback from uh, Henry. My daughter and son-in-law were worried when they saw two fighters escorting what they thought was a passenger plane over Natick. Natick, thank you. Yep, I'll be Massachusetts. there in a couple weeks. Oh, well, will you? Boston Marathon course ah, goes through the town of Natick. Okay, but it must be close to Boston then. It's relatively close. It's early on in the course, though. Why okay. it Actually, no, I take that back. It's, it's like mile nine, I think, is Natick. Yes, I don't make the rules, Nick. That's just how it's pronounced. Unless someone from there wants to write in and correct but me. But you're, you're saying sure Natick. Right. Mm-hmm. No, Natick. Na- natick. Na- natick. natick. But it's Natick. No, it's, oh, oh it, Natick. Okay. Natick. Yeah, no, natick. the T's not so harsh. Yeah. Natick. It's, it's a soft T. Well, mm-hmm. you make it sound like a D. Yes. We do. And uh, on Sunday, the uh, the 12th of September. And then, so getting back to this, uh, he, uh, so his daughter and son-in-law were worried when they saw the fighters escorting what appeared to be an airliner. And then he said, I thought maybe a VIP. Then when they saw it several times, I thought maybe part of an air show at Pease Air Force Base in New Hampshire that was going on. And he says, but no, football. And uh, there is a, um, a picture here. I probably should share that as well so everybody can see what we're talking about here. And you'll, it'll be very, very obvious when you see this photo that it had something to do with a football game. And at the beginning, when they play the national anthem, 
and there you go in Gillette Stadium and a, a flyover or a fly past if you prefer. And there are a couple of F-22s um, flying formation with a uh, KC-46 tanker, Boeing 767 basically, but the tanker version of that airplane. And so now I'll continue with the article. He said, uh, then I find out one of the places that the one of the planes was from RAF Mildenhall in Massachusetts. What makes today's RAF Mildenhall different from other U.S. Air Force bases? Um, and he's saying, oh, what what makes it different is that uh, they have a quite a diversity of the units assigned there. And he said, U.S. Air Force Base with the name Royal in it? I was surprised until I looked further. And then he has a link to Mildenhall uh, Air Force Base uh, in, uh, I think it was an Air Force uh, website. And a lot of information about Mildenhall and the units that have served there over uh, the past and present. And there's an article here um, also that I believe he linked us to from WCVB.com talking about this um, flyover uh, in Boston. This is multiple people who were in the Boston suburbs on Sunday raised questions to New Center 5 after they spotted a large plane that was flanked by two fighter jets circling the area. According to the Global Tracking Flight Tracking Service, Flight Radar 24, the large plane was a Boeing KC-46A Pegasus. Pegasus? I think the Pegasus is a um, 737 that the Navy uses. I don't think that's right. Is the KC-40... Somebody I look will, that I up. I will fact Thank check us here. KC-46A... Um, anyway, they say Pegasus that belongs to the U S air force. The flight path does show the plane circled the Metro West area, including Wellesley, Natick and framing, framing him multiple times before taking a direct path to Foxborough. Oh, it is a Pegasus. Okay. I must be confusing it with a different name. Uh, multiple times before taking Orion. Uh, no, um, or, uh, or P- it's, P- it's, it's no, what's a- replacing their yeah, Orion and it's a, uh, uh, Poseidon, maybe. Hmm, okay, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't either. I should not talk about military aircraft. I have no idea. In Foxborough, the New England Patriots are hosting the Miami Dolphins in their 2021 season opener at Gillette Stadium. And the Pegasus uh, and the two fighter jets, F-22 Raptors, were used for a flyover during the pregame festivities in Foxborough. Okay, a photo tweeted by the Patriots appears to show the same aircraft flying over its aircraft. No S. No S. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. Uh, no, me too. <sighs> flying over Gillette Stadium before Sunday's game. But uh, anyway, there you go. Uh, Mildenhall, what, what can you tell us about that, Nick? It's an RAF base. Well, and we okay. give uh, the United States Air Force permission to use it. Uh, okay. And they uh, um, the prime users of it. Uh, it's commanded by um, a Royal Air Force officer, um, but uh, it's it's like when you come through the gates, it's like moving into Little America because you know it's all all the uh, USAF bases that uh, are positioned here in the United Kingdom. Uh, from I'm pretty certain they even drive on the wrong side of the road. Um, you know all the really? vehicles. The right the side tr- of the road. Yeah. As it were. No, they drive on yes. the wrong side of the road. 
they're all uh, truly the they're right all American. Side uh, of the road. They, there's all the American shops and uh, fast food joints that you would expect. Uh, although they're pretty much ubiquitous throughout the world nowadays, aren't they? Um, there's a PX there, you know, um, supermarkets, um, you know, and uh, it, the place is uh, looks as if it were dragged straight out of um, you know the middle middle America. Uh, but uh, of course, once you leave he says the that gates, like in a negative yeah. way. <laughs> no, I don't, think no, I don't mean that at all. Oh, okay. I just when he says You're middle America, I think of like my... Oklahoma. Okay, uh, I was trying. To, I was trying not to uh, have a particular I, I, I like, area. I like have like a like a pin. The in middle, middle of, of America. America, you know, yes, like, like all right, very then, literally America, um, <laughs> United States. <laughs> Anywhere in the United States, uh, but uh-huh. uh, no, it's uh, you know, any town, it, USA. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm not even sure that uh, there is. You'd have to ask me to look it up, but I, I'm almost pretty certain that uh, British law may not even apply, so that uh, you know things are dealt with on base um, rather than uh, if if there's a problem with. Uh, the breaking British law there, it may not even reach British court. I think it's dealt with in American, in the American. We don't legal recognize system. your stinking laws. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a war to decide but this. Step one foot oh, no. out a couple of hundred years ago. And you're mine, Sonny. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, it's very exciting having all those American aircraft, uh, you know, uh, in our country. We love seeing them fly around. And, uh, you know, Mildenhall is uh, a well-established USAF uh, um, base um, that, um, you know, we uh, we get a great deal of um, joy from the uh, cooperation we get between the two air forces. Uh, it's fantastic. So uh, we like to think that, um, you know, people who come across and serve at places like Mildenhall do get off base occasionally and uh, enjoy what England has to offer. But I know uh, Armando, for example, he was a, he became quite uh, familiar and moved around a lot. But I know there are people who barely set foot off base because you know, they like what they're used to. They like the, the American way of life and it's provided for them in spades uh, on uh, USAF bases around the world. So... Uh, it's uh, you know each to their own, but uh, I think it's a fascinating concept. Yeah, we have a discussion going on here in the uh, live audience. Uh, Hillel was saying that he something he really found disappointing about U.S. bases overseas. Uh, he couldn't even spend local currency to buy lunch. I had to go back to my hotel to get my greenback so I could make change to use the coin-op laundromat. I understand why they do it, but it's disappointing that they feel that they have to. Yeah, I, I think know, it's I just think... to make their servicemen feel more at home. Uh, it can be yeah. a bit uh, dislocating being, uh, you know, in a foreign country. Uh, although I wouldn't really call uh, United Kingdom that foreign, but some people <laughs> still <Interesting>. find it. <laughs> we were <laughs> find it different. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's really nothing foreign about you guys to us. No. Except you drive on the wrong side of the road. You talk kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, 
Who is asking yeah, about ask, accents? There is the accent. <laughs> there are plenty of accents in this country to get confused with, so uh, in, a lot of which I don't even understand. So um, you know, don't be surprised. Same, same with us over here too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can barely understand what Jeff is saying. It's what? taking a lot of concentration on my part. <laughs> a lot of concentration. Well, has nothing yeah, to, I can understand that. has nothing to do with the accent. It, it has all to do with the fact that it's just a bunch of gobbledygook. Oh, well, that clears things right up for yeah. me. Uh, so, yeah, when I was in the um, in military airlift command uh, flying the C-141, that was, that was the base that... Uh, the 141s always went to in the UK was uh, Milton Hall. But I never, right. and being so common, a place to go, um, it's odd that I never made it into um, the United Kingdom when I was uh, flying the airplane. Uh, everywhere else over there, but not uh, the UK, which was kind of kind of odd. But anyway. It's a shame. So there. Yeah, we might have bumped into each other. Yeah, quite possibly. All right. And what were you saying, uh, Liz? Number 12. Uh, Nick number put up a couple of overlays for number 12, so I think you're okay. interested in that one. Uh, let's do number 12. Uh, this is from Rob Legal, and he said, Short and sweet. Dual engine failure in one of my favorite multis. multis. And he said... Uh, I don't know if you want to play the whole thing, it's just like a video thing yeah did you say i we had i put some overlays in there liz uh yeah nick did oh nick um, did okay they talk good all right um and it also comes with a video a youtube video of the um incident this is a, a plane crashes while trying to return to palo alto airport uh strikes power lines before going down in the baylands baylands I guess Baylands. I have no idea. Yeah, I know I cannot easily pronounce Palo Alto. I have to slow it down very much to make sure that it doesn't get. For some reason, together. that's easy for me to say. Palo Alto. It's something about the O and the A next to each other. It doesn't uh, doesn't work quite right. Okay, well, this is one of those vast aviation YouTube videos that uh, kind of show a radar display. So I'm not going to. Well, you know, I guess I could. I could play that. Pop that up here. What do you think, Liz? No. No. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> that was a good try, though, Liz. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just thought Nick would like to talk about his overlays, and then you can... I don't know. Oh, so Nick, are you going to do the overlays while playing the video while the video's playing? No, 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 no. It's no, that was no. just going to accompany some after um, okay. comments. Gotcha. Okay, I misunderstood what Liz was trying to tell me. Okay, um, here we go. Let's play this video of this uh, plane crash. Man, two Delta Fox, right, right Dunbarton, departure, runway three one clear for takeoff, no delay. Doesn't matter how it tells you the whole short runway three one number one. Hold short three one, matter tells you. It's Fargo Kilo, hold short runway three one number two. So two eight eight, make left close traffic. Left coast traffic 288. That's a 288 upwind to the Otter Bridge, left coast traffic. Otter Bridge and left coast traffic 288. Baron 2 Delta Fox, early right crosswind is approved for slower traffic at 12 o'clock and uh, one mile up to the case 500. Okay, we'll turn now to Delta Fox. 
Charlie, Charlie sequence. Sir, target three, thing on Charlie, left base at the amphitheater. Left base at the amphitheater. Bearing two Delta Fox Squawk 4230, that's 4230. Okay, 4230. 8 Hotel Yankee is departing the area to the west, thank you. Husky 8 Hotel Yankee, roger, and frequency change group, Office numbers 2987. Okay. Bearing two Delta Fox contact NorCal approach, next 125.35. 2535. This is Area 5, all the way on Zulu, contact ground field. All the way on Zulu, contact ground field, Area 5. Says that 162 Delta Fox never got to contact NorCal. Oh, you call base two eight. Hello, Alpha Baron one six two Delta Fox. We're going to have to uh, return to the airport. We got a little right engine problem. Baron two Delta Fox, enter right down. Delta Fox. Sir, Delta three ten on Charlie, runway two and cut away. Correct, cut away, two Delta. Cessna two eight eight, make right three sixty. Right three sixty two eight eight. Top of three off of Charlie. Extend up one two Otter Bridge. Make right traffic. Extend up one two Otter Bridge. Make right traffic. Three off of Charlie. Right traffic. Declare an emergency. We've got uh, loss of power on both engines. One of about the fuel. I'm bearing two Delta Foxtrot. Your number one runway three one clear to land. Your G one one three. Okay, clear to land. Uh, three one two Delta. Two Delta Charlie. Still want me to land? You want me to go around? Sir, Tucker 3 Tango Charlie, go around, extend up one. Go around, extend up one, 3 Tango Charlie. Southland 288, base at the amphitheater. Base amphitheater 288. Sir, Tucker 3 Tango Charlie, follow up one, Citavia. We'll follow the up one, Citavia, 3 Tango Charlie. Wind 33010. The Baron. Is disappeared <laughs> off the radar anyway. Number nine hotel zero. That aircraft looked like that aircraft just crashed and uh, did not make it. Nine hotel zero, Roger. Nine hotel zero. I just saw that aircraft uh, not make it on uh, right base. Nine hotel zero, Roger. We're working on it. Andrew, nine hotel. We're going to make a left traffic. We're overtaking the CW. Sir, Tiger 3 Tango Charlie, make left traffic. Left traffic, Tiger 3 Tango. Up here in 162 Delta Fox, both there. Assessment 288, base approved, runway 31, clear to land, make full stop, taxi bay. Clear to land 3128. Hello, Officer Tower, this is Husky 8 Hotel Yankee. We can do a circle to find that crash aircraft if you need us to. Andrew, we can do that as well. Husky Hotel Yankee, uh, uh, we'll have, we have uh, aircraft uh, closer to it that can look, thank you. Stop 3 Alpha Charlie, advise if you have the aircraft in sight. Working through that, Saratoga 3 Tango Charlie, number 2, fall Sesta, mile and a half, final runway 31, Coda Land. Number 2, Toronto, the land traffic inside, 2 Tango Charlie. Tavia 3 Alpha Charlie, number 3, you're following the Saratoga in the left downwind, extending towards the amphitheater. Runway 31, clear to land. Number 3, clear to land, 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 clear to
and 162 Delta function about the turn. Tower 9 Hotel Zulu, I'm uh, first in line here on 3-1 and I'd like to terminate uh, to pattern work. So do you want me to get on the runway and then exit off or do you want more circuit? First 9 Hotel Zulu, hold position and uh, we're going to have uh, two aircraft to land. Roger that, 9 Hotel Zulu. Okay, the sole pilot on board resulted uninjured. <laughs> Interesting way to say that. Um, yeah. So he resulted very, uninjured. Yeah, it's a good result. <laughs> I think yeah. the guy that does VAS aviation is is not not English first English language. or yeah, not English is not his first ESL. language. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Um, he kind of hinted that, um, he was having, yeah, probably maybe a fuel problem because it seems to, at first it was just the right engine and then it seemed to affected, to have affected both engines. And that's why, why he was, uh, expecting or suspecting a, uh, fuel issue. Um, but, uh. Nick, you, you said you did some overlays for this that we can throw up there. Oh, for I, the I was just going to mention uh, out of passing that um, I've actually flown out of that uh, airfield. There it is. That was oh. uh, mm -hmm. uh, that was me on finals. With I friend. wasn't flying. Uh, I was mm -hmm. sitting behind a uh, international man of mystery who uh, took me oh. on one of his missions. Uh, and there the CIA is. Um, I'm sure you can't talk about the nature of that said mission. Yeah. Very <laughs> hush -hush. Uh, no, actually, yeah. I, I spent most of the flight with a bag on my head, so um, <laughs> I didn't get to see. It's a shame. It's such pretty scenery around there, too. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, apparently. Um, so, yeah, International Man of Mystery uh, took me around. I mean, we landed somewhere. Uh, I heard some funny noises, uh, you know, Two or three times, you know, double tap, and um, mm. then we he climbed, ran back in, uh, and we took off very quickly, and then we came back and landed at Palo Alto. Um, but uh, it, it was a it's a surprisingly um, uh, built up area w with lots of uh, cables all around. So I gather that this uh, this twin actually flew into uh, some pretty massive power cables. Uh, in his attempt mm -hmm. to uh, bring the aircraft down, uh, so I'm not surprised because there's there's uh, a, you know big sets of pylons all around. It's quite a short runway as well, um, and uh, not really easy to operate from. I would have thought, uh, and it certainly didn't appreciate um, the perspective. Looked uh, oh, you know quite difficult, and it's in a busy piece of airspace, hard to get in off, hard to get out. So uh, it was an intriguing. Um, uh, flight for me, I thoroughly enjoyed it with uh, our wonderful man of mystery. Uh, since he uh, has his own aircraft at that airfield, I don't know if he's finally got um, the engine fixed, uh, but um, you know, I'd be interested to know what he knows about this incident. Perhaps he knows something more and could let us know. But having said that, international man of mystery now has a, a small child of mystery. So um, he's probably a bit too busy to go off and do a lot of flying nowadays. You said that yeah. the small child is a mystery? No. A yeah, not. it is a small child of mystery, yes. Of mystery. <coughs> oh, of mystery, I got gotcha. yeah. okay. yeah, yeah. in training. Mm -hmm. well, well, there's the um, international child of mystery would be his formal <laughs> uh, name or her formal name. I just name. thought maybe you were saying you were implying that uh, how it – Never mind. Um, no, no, no. 
No, I this the, is no, you know. <laughs> I think it came the normal way. Arrived, uh, okay. uh, you know? yes. Gotcha. Well, hey, uh, here's a picture that we threw up there of uh, one of those uh, very tall uh, power line uh, towers and the uh, lines. And you can, it's hard to see, but you can see that uh, these, these, uh, some of these power lines were uh, altered <laughs> where the uh, they were no longer where they were strung yeah, up flew so. through them. But, you know, that may have. I don't know if that helped or hurt uh, the I situation don't here. I think it helped anything. Probably not. You know, maybe they he would have made don't it. Don't want to fly through power no? lines. No. Okay. <laughs> no. So I'll, I'll. Okay. Let me write that down. Something take that notes. I need to. Yeah. Take, take note of that. Anywho, uh, so that was an interesting. Um, but uh, they say that it was a sole occupant, and he walked away uh, uninjured. Uh, just minor injuries, I think. Uh, which is pretty amazing, actually, when you when you see this. Yes, so I'm going to hazard a guess here. Not, not a good thing to do. But if he um, lost an engine and said, I think it's a fuel issue, um, would could we be reasonably safe in guessing that the fuel issue was he didn't have any? It, it could be. Sorry, Jeff turned down the volume right when I tried <laughs> to speak to you. Um, that might be a... You know, that whole pre-flight thing where you verify quantity of fuel on board before you launch. It's possible. Or, uh, so, fuel quantity, fuel quality. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very hard to establish fuel a fuel contamination issue when you're airborne. As far as you know, you've just lost an engine. So, you you might think to yourself, I wonder if that's uh, fuel contamination. But... When he came out and said fuel it, pump issue? quite quickly, he didn't, he didn't say very much, but he said it was no, a fuel he issue. I'm thinking, seems like it might I be a fuel I issue. I can guess what that fuel issue is. He <laughs> yes. forgot the fuel. Forgot. Yeah. Well, he did. He had just taken off. I guess yeah. we'll we'll find out for sure. Oh, really? Okay. All right then. In that case, I might be um, climbing up the wrong tree, barking up the wrong tree. No, he had just taken off. Anyways. Um, Handed over to okay. let NorCal approach, and then mm-hmm. he never checked in, in there. He case, just came I right back it and all said, mm-hmm. "But it could still be correct." Fair enough. It still could be a, a fuel quantity issue if mm-hmm. they if he thought that he had, or perhaps a fuel distribution. Know. I don't know if there's any way fuel to hide fuel, fuel from those airplanes. Yeah, interesting one though, for sure. But uh, and again. Um, I don't know if it would have made a difference in this case, but, uh, you know, by saying the words Mayday, uh, that may have helped get everybody's attention. But it looked like I think everybody, it got his attention pretty. Everyone yeah. had it. Everyone was paying attention. I'm wondering if, you know, you saw on the uh, on the depiction of the, well, the simulated radar display that Vass uh, uh, Aviation puts up there on the video uh, that uh, the tag said uh, in red letters EM for emergency. I'm wondering if that was something that the uh, controller just did to change it to that or if it was something like a squawk code you know if it if you squawk 7700 if it automatically shows em or not but again it's a simulated thing it's not the actual display of the uh, radar scope but uh, anyway um very so interesting I'm wondering if uh, nick wants to sort of say his goodbyes and then okay. we'll roll into the plane tail shortly all right um nick um liz was wondering if you wanted to uh say goodbye and get yourself off to bed and then we can do the plane tails and do some more feedback or 
whatever. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah, that, that, no, that's absolutely fine. Thanks very much. Uh, my apologies okay. for not having a, a new plain tale. It's a, it's a, a regurgitation of an earlier story. Um, so uh, <laughs> well, that's one way to say it. Not a good one. But, I was, but uh, it, it, it's it, a no, nice think, poem, anyway. Yeah. And so I hope you yeah. enjoy. Classic, a classic and, plain uh, tale, Nick. Classic. Absolutely, an absolute classic. Yeah, one of my favourite. Yeah, um, and uh, I'll see you guys next week with a new luck. So, uh, and we'll be able to report on the uh, the meetup and uh, anything else that's happened. So, look forward to seeing you. And uh, yeah, have a good show. Rest of well, thank you very much. Uh, we look. By the way, can someone have a word with Rick and say uh, late on parade again? Mm-hmm. He'll be reprimanded. Yeah. Good. HR needs to uh, speak, I think. I believe so. I think she already has an appointment. Anyway, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lovely seeing you two. Uh, brilliant. And uh, enjoy your evening. Uh, going out for tacos, I gather. Uh, actually, no. I don't think so. I, I, I went ahead and got a... Uh, burrito bowl uh, before we Jeff has had food recorded because I have a very, very early morning. I have a very early start tomorrow as well. Yeah. So we're going to basically, when we wrap up, probably just yeah. head out. I'll pack everything up and Steph will head home and grab some food on the way home, probably, and just eat and then sleep. sleep. Yep. All right. Brilliant. Well, uh, All right. love to you both. And uh, everyone, look after yourself in the chat room and uh, see you guys next week. Bye, right, Nick. Bye bye. And all the best to Liz. Bye. Now we can talk bad about him. <laughs> he's still there. I know. Wait, he's still there. Yeah, we see you there. Yeah. Uh, Nick Nick is one of the best. He's best, lurking. Yeah, he's the, the best he's one of <laughs> He's pointing his fingers at us. <laughs> he's one of the best people on this podcast. One of the best, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, there he is. Oh, wait. I thought you were leaving. <laughs> we were hoping. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so it's always great to have Nick. We missed him last week and uh, and point well made that uh, it's a lot of fun when all of us can be on the show at the same time. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to yes. give a, figure out when that can Rick happen. a stern talk. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, how close to the two hour mark so are you, we? Uh, you've got about five minutes if oh. you want to do another okay. something. All right, let's. Um, that's going to take too long, so let's do this one. Number oh. four is a quick one because yeah. uh, you know it's just basically pointing people to the article. Right, right. Okay, so this was sent in uh, from someone named Liz. Um, Who? Yeah, I don't know. A personal know. pilgrimage to a downed era warplane in Papua New Guinea, and this is from the New York Times. And uh, this person named Liz says she thought this was an interesting story about one man's quest to find a World War II aircraft. And uh, again, from uh, the New York Times. Uh, so basically, it's the um, it's the, the story of someone who uh, visited and photographed a World War II crash site in 2019. Um, but it wasn't uh, their first time visiting. Uh, that was back in 1986 when... Uh, this gentleman was uh, 12 years old. I'm assuming it's a um, yeah. gentleman. Okay. So. And um, 
let's see, his family had recently moved to Papua New Guinea to work with a Bible translation organization. And some 800 languages are spoken there. Wow. And as part of our introduction to its life and culture, we lived for six weeks in a village called Likan, or Lycan, beside the Clay River in East Sepik Province. The wreck site was an hour's hike from the village. And anyway, um, it's it's kind of a, it's not the style of the story is not a news uh, narrative. It's more of a uh, what would you call it? A, prose, a, so yeah, some memoir, personal kind of. memoir, prose, that kind of thing. Uh, be- beautiful though, very well written. Great uh, photos of um, Papua New Guinea and the crash site and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to put a link to this article in the show notes for you all to check it out. Uh, very interesting stuff. So thank you, Liz, for that. Okay. I think the plain tale now because okay. we don't want to get into this next audio. So All right. Yeah, you're right. I think that it would be best for us to go ahead and head over to the old pilot's plain tales for this episode. And this is a, a reprise of an earlier... No overlays. Woohoo! No overlays. Liz is so happy. No overlays. So we're just going to pop up the um, plain tale... The Old Pilot's Plain Tales um, graphic? overlay graphic, and we're going to listen to this wonderful story. And here we go. It's called High Flight. The Old Pilot's Plain Tales. High Flight. 75 years ago, the world was a vastly different place. Britain had been conducting a lonely war against the might of Germany, but that was about to change. The Japanese fleet, under the command of Admiral Yamamoto, had just struck Pearl Harbor without warning, severely damaging and destroying eight battleships, ten warships, 230 aircraft and killing 2,403 American servicemen and civilians. The sneak attack had been conducted without a formal declaration of war. To quote President Roosevelt, he pronounced that the 7th of December would be a date which will live in infamy. A few days later, on the 11th of December, Adolf Hitler declared war on the United States. America was entering the Second World War. However, some Americans had already made the very personal and remarkably brave decision to help the beleaguered sovereign countries that make up the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. The battle that was underway wasn't being conducted on the ground, but in the skies above it. The Battle of Britain was to stretch the Royal Air Force to its absolute limits, and on occasions, Every operational squadron assigned to protect the South was simultaneously engaged with the enemy. There was nothing in reserve. British factories were producing fighters as fast as humanly possible, but they were barely keeping up with the losses. During one two-week period, 295 fighters were totally destroyed and a further 171 badly damaged, whereas only 269 Spitfires and Hurricanes were produced. This, however, wasn't Air Vice Marshal Stuffy Dowding's greatest concern. 
It was his pilots. During the same two-week period, 103 pilots were killed and 128 were wounded, and there was no way to churn new pilots out of a factory. Those pilots who came to the British Isles during this time were valuable beyond belief, and none more so than those who filled the Eagle squadrons. There were pilots who flew with the RAF from many nations, a considerable number of Poles and New Zealanders, Australians, Belgians, South Africans, Free French, Southern Rhodesians, even a Jamaican and a Palestinian pilot joined in the battle. But today we shall talk about the American pilots and one special one from amongst them. The Eagle Squadrons were the brainchild of Charles Sweeney, a wealthy businessman who was living in London. He had been recruiting American citizens to fight with a US volunteer detachment in the French Air Force, echoing the Lafayette Escadrille of World War I. Following the fall of France, a dozen of these pilots crossed the English Channel and joined the RAF. Along with his rich society contacts and with the assistance of the World War I ace Billy Bishop, Sweeney continued to recruit and train pilots at a cost of over $100,000 each. These pilots either joined the RAF or the Royal Canadian Air Force. Most Eagle Squadron pilots did not have a college education or prior military experience, a requirement for the U.S. Army Air Corps, and what's more, by joining foreign military units, they were technically breaking the laws of the officially neutral U.S. government. In the end, three Eagle Squadrons were formed, numbers 71, 121 and 133, and they flew as part of the RAF until they were turned over to the fledgling 8th Air Force and became the 4th Fighter Group in 1942. Of note, about a 100 Eagle pilots had been killed, were missing or prisoners, and those who transferred wore their American military wings, but they retained their RAF wings, which were worn in miniature on the opposite side of their uniforms. One pilot who made the brave decision to join his brothers-in-arms to fight the Nazis was John McGee, Jr. John's parents were missionaries working in Shanghai when he was born, his father was American, formerly of Scottish and Irish roots, and his mother English. He grew up in China, learning to speak Chinese before English, but his formal education was at rugby school in England, and Avon Old Farm School in Connecticut. He won a scholarship to Yale, but never took up his place. Whatever motivated him to come to the aid of the British, I don't know, but I suspect that love of his mother's country, or perhaps his love of Eleanor Lyon, the rugby headmaster's daughter, had a lot to do with it. Whilst at school in England, John had become interested in poetry, and the lovely Eleanor was the inspiration of many of his poems. McGee crossed the border into Canada in 1940, 
joining the Royal Canadian Air Force and beginning his pilot training in Ontario. He completed his training, receiving his wings in June 1941, and was sent to England where he converted onto the Spitfire. With his training complete, John was posted to number 412 Squadron at RAF Digby in Lincolnshire. He had only been in the country a few months when he flew a newer model of Spitfire up to an altitude of over 30,000 feet. It was only his seventh Spitfire flight, and as he orbited and climbed upwards, he was struck with the inspiration for a poem. His friend and fellow pilot, Michael Lebas, an Argentinian, ran into him afterwards and recalled that he was waxing lyrical about his flight. I urged him, though not very seriously, Lebas said, that since he had always wanted to be a poet, he should put his feelings down in words. He thereupon sat down in the mess and composed, in a very short time, the first draft of High Flight, written, literally, on the back of an envelope. The poem was completed later that day. McGee proceeded to write a letter, dated September the 3rd, 1941, to his parents. In it he mentioned, I'm enclosing a verse I wrote the other day. It started at 30,000 feet and was finished soon after I landed. On the back of the letter were the words of his poem, entitled High Flight. McGee was still only aged 19 years old, when he got airborne in a Spitfire AD-291, which had the squadron markings Victor Zulu Hotel on the fuselage. Departing from RAF Wellingore, he was flying with three of his colleagues. Also in the air that day was an Oxford trainer from RAF Cranwell, flown by one Ernest Aubrey Griffin, also aged 19, an RAF volunteer reserve pilot. As McGee and his flight descended through a hole in the clouds near the hamlet of Roxholm, at about 1,400 feet, his spitfire struck the Oxford. A farmer watched the aftermath of the collision and saw McGee struggling to push back his canopy. By the time he was free to stand on his seat and jump, he was too low for his parachute to open, and he died on impact. Griffin, the Oxford pilot, was also killed. Part of the official letter to McGee's parents read, Your son's funeral took place at Scopwick Cemetery, near Digby Aerodrome, at 2.30pm on Saturday the 13th of December, 1941. The service being conducted by Flight Lieutenant S.K. Belton, the Canadian Padre of this station. He was accorded full service honours, the coffin being carried by pilots of his own squadron. A brave young man who had not even seen combat, John Gillespie McGee Jr., has a very special place in the hearts of generations of pilots. Not for the sacrifice of his life, to help those in another country defeat a terrible foe, 
although that should have been enough, but for the words he wrote a short while before. When his parents received the poem in a letter before John's death, his father, who was the curate of St. John's Episcopal Church in Washington, D.C., reprinted it in church publications. The poem became more widely known through the efforts of the Librarian of Congress, who included it in an exhibition of poetry called Faith and Freedom in 1942. The manuscript copy of the original poem remains at the Library of Congress. During World War II, Hollywood stars toured the United States on a mission to raise war bonds. Famed actress Merle Oberon recited High Flight a part of this show. Orson Welles also recited it during an episode of Command Performance in 1943. The poem became a favourite amongst aviators and astronauts. It is the official poem of the Royal Canadian Air Force and the Royal Air Force, and has to be recited from memory by fourth-class cadets at the United States Air Force Academy. General Robert Lee Scott, Jr. included the poem in his book God is My Co-Pilot and astronaut Michael Collins took it into space on his flight in Gemini 10. President Ronald Reagan quoted from it during his address to the nation following the Challenger disaster. Oh, I have slipped the surly bonds of earth and dance the skies on laughter-silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling mirth of sun-split clouds and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of. Wheeled and soared and swung high in the sunlit silence hovering there I've chased the shouting wind along and flung my eager craft through footless halls of air. Up, up the long delirious burning blue, I've topped the windswept heights with easy grace where never a lark or even eagle flew. And while with silent lifting mind, I've trod the high untrespassed sanctity of space, put out my hand and touched the face of God. The poem is found on many gravestones, but perhaps none is more deserving than that of the author, John Gillespie McGee Jr., who modestly has just the opening and concluding lines on the white military marker over his grave in the Holy Cross Cemetery in Scottwick, Lincolnshire, not far from where he died. It's over in there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Welcome back, Jeff. Uh, so we were actually listening to the plain tales, but we had it uh, on the speaker so that we could enjoy it and talk to each other. It's a shorter one that we're... It was short, um, you know, and we did realize it was coming to the end there, but then there was some scramble to get back. Uh, Jeff apparently has lost his yeah, I, uh... headphones there. Um just all Odd. in keeping with yeah. the show. Yeah, this the, it's just part of the, the charm of this going. particular show. Well, you know what? I don't even need the darn thing. Well, I guess I do in case there's well, some other audio stuff. Yeah. Or I'll just pause for a second here while Jeff figures out what's going on with his This is a headphones. new thing that I got. And, oh, uh, Jeff has new technology. <laughs> Imagine that. Wow. <laughs> I feel like this is a, a very recurring theme that when you have new technology, um, it just never Kinda works exactly well. to plan. No. But he, he continues to just always try new technology. So nothing ever works exactly. I'm to always plan. tempting fate with the. Uh, but yes, we do remember that plain tale. That's a, definitely a classic. And thank you, Nick, for doing such a great job yes. on them as always. Absolutely. All right. All right. So we uh, probably should move on then to an, another. All right, number five, I'm hearing voices from above. You should get that checked out. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, this is from Slav? 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 Slav. Slav, thank you. Uh, hello, APG crew. I hope you're all doing fine. My name is Slav Inger. I'm the one who gave Chris Styers a ride in the Rockwell Commander 114 back in August. I'm glad Chris enjoyed it. His feedback made it into episode 487. I very much enjoyed it as well. I agree with what he said. This is a wonderful community that allows us to reach out and support each other. Just wanted to add some context to our attempted ILS practice approach at the Pontiac Airport, Kilo Papa Tango Kilo, which happens to be the second busiest in the state after Detroit Metro, DTW. Interestingly, Last year, Pontiac saw way more traffic than Detroit, given the fall-off in airline volume and the opposite effect in Part 135 and freight ops. Some of us took this opportunity to go down to the dormant large Class B, or Class Bravo, and shoot some approaches. Controllers were happy to talk to someone for a change. Flying IFR cross-country last year, sectors that are normally crazy busy were mostly dead air. It was so surreal. Anyway, back to my story. Just for the record, while calling it a practice approach, I'm well aware that I could not log it as such since Chris was not a legal safety pilot in this instance. On this day, the primary instrument runway 9 right was closed due to runway maintenance. We asked the tower for our uh, for a own nav simulated ILS to 9 right in VFR, no vectoring by Detroit approach culminating with either a low approach over nine right or a sidestep to nine left and low approach, depending on tower's preference. I commonly do this. I try to fly abbreviated instrument approaches anytime I'm landing VFR or on a visual, at least the final segment from the final approach fix down, traffic and conditions permitting, to stay proficient with avionics and instrument flying skills. While I prefer to fly, file IFR, it isn't practical for local sightseeing trips. I check NOTAMs and TFRs, temporary flight restrictions, before every flight. However, I must admit that in the myriad of Pontiac NOTAMs uh, that were active that day, I overlooked that the ILS was NOTAMed out as well, not always a given with a closed runway. I looked at the NOTAMs once again, no, no, once we got back, and yes, this time I found it. 
Live and learn. Yeah, a lot of times that's what you know. You what notums are? They're just <laughs> they're a, a bunch, bunch of garbage. garbage. <laughs> Although sometimes they're actually important. Well, some, well, but that's the problem, right? Yeah. The important ones are not made any more important appearing. No. They're just in there with all the ones that are with everything unimportant. else. With the completely garbage. I mean, ones. they're all important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're F- listening, to the FAA, F- they're, the FAA always, they're all important. No, I think, many- but the more importanter ones are not made clearly more important. Right. In the way the notums are And they are really need to do something to fix that. Because if it's something important, like a runway closure or airport closure or something like that. Yeah, airport's closed. should Don't like come stand out. That should be like bright red at top. You yes. Know? And then, oh, by the way, maybe this runway is closed or this instrument procedure is going to be unavailable because the ILS is out of right. service. Um, those things are, I would say, of higher order importance. Mm-hmm. It's like when I talk to people at my day job, you know, yes, your your back pain is important, but more important is probably your heart and your, mm-hmm. you know, your lungs and your kidney and your liver and your brain. So if something's going wrong there, you might want to prioritize those things before, you know. You work the on the little things that yes. are not quite as important. Making you feel pretty bad, but yeah, not necessary for continued existence of life. <laughs> yeah, because if you're not living, then, then it doesn't matter. Stuff exactly. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, where was I? Death by a thousand no tams oh, is yeah. indeed a real problem. Yes. When flying into larger airports, <laughs> APG crew, how do you folks handle this volume of no dams in the one twenty one world? I mean, it's, it's difficult and we've talked about it. So, so many times on the show that they're really, there are groups out there really working hard to kind of distill, um, you know, the, the NOTAMs that are important for us to be aware of and, you know, put on the back burner the ones that aren't quite so important or the get crane rid of them entirely. And yeah. like 200 yards off center and only 100 feet or whatever it is. And yeah. Birds in vicinity of airport. Yeah, that's an important one. The, birds. The birds, because, you know, it's so weird when there are birds around an airport. It's really crazy. There's kind birds of crazy. at every airport. Every airport, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, mm. it's, it's tough. Speaking of, I yeah. fly in the 182 yesterday, mm-hmm. touched down, landed, and this bird took off right in front of me. And then it like zigzagged to the right in front of me. And then it came back again to the left. And then again to the right. I was like, just make up your mind and go one direction. Like I'm on the ground now. I'm, you, you're going to have to look out for yourself. A very fast bird, huh? Well, yeah. But it was like, you know, the slow motion, like you're catching mm-hmm. up to it. It's like, no, no. I was like, just go one direction. Figure this out. Crazy, crazy mm-hmm. birds. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was that the brightest was bird. Unusual bird activity. That was unusual bird activity. Yes. Uh, let's see. So he continues. Here's a pic of our beauty attached. I believe we have an overlay, Liz, of the uh, Commander 114. Uh, the Eximius uh, yep, Exim- Flying Club. Is that the way you would say that? Eximius? Eximius. Sure. Flying Club is the only club that owns a Commander 114, 114, as far as we know. That's a good-looking airplane there, mm-hmm. I'd say. Uh, here's the coolest part. As I write this, this same aircraft is embarking on an amazing adventure we're calling 48 by 48, a Guinness record-setting attempt to land in 48 U.S. contiguous states. Contiguous? Contiguous, I'm sorry. Uh, as soon as I said that, I thought, hey, I was right. Contiguous <laughs> states with 40 within 48 hours. So 48 U.S. contiguous states within 48 hours, finishing on September 11th. 
By doing this, we're showcasing the utility potential of general aviation. Look what a single-engine four-seater non-cabin class airplane can do. And also marking the 20th 9-11 anniversary by celebrating our freedom to fly. Please refer to the attached audio clip recorded by one of Captain Kirk's, uh, one of the two pilots on this trip, both named Kirk. And yes, they do intend to land at the K-I-R-K, Kilo uh, India Romeo Kilo, Kirksville, Missouri Airport. Very clever. Mm -hmm. The uh, trip will be over by the time this feedback is published. I'll report back regarding how it went. Even if we don't make 48 hours due to weather or other safety issues, safety first, we still have a good shot at setting a record since the current standing 48 state record is many days longer. Probably going to beat your uh, your 50 state um well, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was, that was, that was over a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. A little different. A little yeah. different. Yeah. Um, I should have just rented a Commander 114. Yeah, I would have been able to do it faster. Oh, yeah. A lot faster. Mm-hmm. Best regards, Slav Inger. I saw um, this attempt on another on a Facebook group that I'm a part of as well. I don't know if it successfully was completed, but I know it did take off as intended and Let's listen progress. to uh, the recording that he sent um, of one of the Kirks. Uh, talking about this record-setting attempt right now. This year, September 9th through the 11th, Kirk Scudder and Kirk McCardle are planning a record-setting attempt by landing in all 48 contiguous states within a 48-hour period. This attempt is sanctioned by the Guinness Book of World Records and is planned to occur over the weekend of the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks to commemorate this tragic event. The flight will depart from and return to the Coleman Young Detroit City Airport, which is the home base for Exenius Flying Club. The two Captain Kirks will be flying the club's Rockwell Commander 114, which has the appropriate performance characteristics to complete the journey successfully. Exenius is the only flying club in the world with a Commander 114. Behind the scenes, Exenius members will provide 24-hour support for the flight, which requires intricate planning in order to meet the record-setting criteria required by Guinness. Kirk Scudder, a professional commercial airline pilot, has very carefully evaluated the most efficient routes to each airport needed for landing in order to touch down once in each state. Considerations such as fuel management, weather, terrain, and the need to properly document each landing create many challenges that must be successfully met. Signatures of local airport personnel are needed to document each stop. Strict coordination is necessary to ensure the flight is met at each airport, regardless of the time of day or local operational conditions. Kirk McCardle is also a highly experienced pilot who has the most flight hours in the commander of any club member. Among other duties, his role is to ensure the aircraft is in top condition for the flight and that the various recording devices and other administrative aspects are properly managed. Flying continuously for two full days takes the utmost in coordination between the two pilots who will take turns being pilot in command while the other assists and gets some rest. The two Captain Kirks are highly complimentary and ideal to fly this record-setting event together and plan to complete the record upon touchdown at Detroit City Airport on September 11, 2021. In addition to setting the record and commemorating the 9-11 anniversary, 
The purpose of the trip is to highlight the benefits of general aviation and the value of local airports such as Detroit City. Anyone with a computer can follow the progress of this flight on software such as FlightAware using the tail number November 2299 Bravo. Please follow and support this endeavor as we celebrate the unique freedoms which we enjoy as citizens of this great country. All right. Thank you, one of the Captain Kirks. And we're looking it up right now to see if they were successful. I'm trying to find it. I know I had seen their uh, journey posted in a Facebook group. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, anybody in our live audience and our brain trust um, know whether or not that, that we're successful or not? How about Lane Street? I see that he's in the uh, chat room uh, now. What do you think? Mm, sorry, I'm never going to be able to find it. It was, yeah, sorry. Pressure's on. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, I thought I could look really quick, but maybe it's not worth somebody the... can send us uh, some information about that. And we he can... said he was going to update us. Oh, um, okay, good. Yeah, well, then we'll let him update us and let us know how it all went. Yeah, he recognized this was going to be read yeah. after the fact. So. Yeah, I remember him saying that. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Slap, for uh, sending that in. Uh, let's see, we have some more. Um, uh, what would you call this? Well, it's a video actually, and we're not yeah, going to play the entire thing or watch it. Um, but uh, Robert, uh, in uh, who used to be south of the Big Chicken in Mayretta, I'd like to say, is now in Tucker, Georgia, uh, on the other side of town, and he uh, went on a big retirement uh, adventure with his uh, his mom. They went up to Alberta, um, Canada, and uh, did a big trip, and he recorded it on video, and he sent us a link to that on YouTube. So you should check that out if you uh, want to see that. It's very interesting, by the way. I did watch it, and uh, I recommend that you do as well. So thank you, Robert, for that. I think it's uh, – I forgot exactly how long the thing is. It's uh, 14 – uh, 14 and a half minutes. So a little bit too long for us to play on the show, but, uh, check it out. And, oh, looks like they did not make the show. I was just pulling up the, um, information on flight radar 24. I found, I did find the link, but then there was no follow up in the link in the Facebook group. So I was thinking it perhaps was not successful. Okay. Yeah. The, Liz, the Liz Kirk's, uh, said that 48 the, by 48, 48 by 48 did not. Did not work. Did not pan out. But, um, yeah, maybe they'll t attempt it again, perhaps. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, also from Robert in Tucker, Georgia. Curious questions for the crew. Mm -hmm. What is... Okay, wait. I need to um, uh -huh. share this. Uh, kind of funny. Not funny, but it's funny to me. <laughs> Uh, okay, share this image, their screen, and window, and that, and share. Okay. You're there getting you faster at that. I am. Getting as better. the show goes on. I'm getting better. Um, so, the uh, uh, so it's Delta Airlines, um, very similar to the uh, airline for which I fly. Uh, it's also a 717, it looks like, a Boeing 717. Um, and, uh, he's asking about the, let me see, let me read exactly what he, what he said. Um, 
He said, uh, what is that extra shiny square in the windows above the cockpit? I believe this is a recent addition to the fleet. Further, why do these in the DC-9 series fleet have these extra windows anyway? We've talked about Because it's such an old design when you're navigating um, by celestial no, reckoning. No, it has nothing to do. Um, and you, you need know to be that. able to. <laughs> she knows that that is not correct. And she's doing that just to, to, Press your to, to, to pimp me or tweak me or something. Yeah, Liz had it right. Press your buttons. Push, Push your button. buttons. Yeah. Yep. But no, you know what I should do? Yes, you're right. That's Thank exactly you. It was it celestial right. navigation. We, yes. we carry, by the way, in my suitcase, I have it over there on back. I don't, I can't. A sextant? Yeah. Big celestial. I, I carry a sextant. sextant. <laughs> Just in case we lose our navigation Your equipment. GPS. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, <laughs> But anyway, uh, no, it's, these windows are made for uh, clearing. And when, you know, back in the old days, the good old days when actually pilots would look outside <laughs> Clear for Why traffic. would a pilot do that? I uh, well, you know, it's when right we there actually, on my screen. I know, I know. Arrows moving know around. You're being <laughs> facetious. Um, yes. Anyway, I love. You know, you've heard me in my opinion about. I love the eyebrow windows. I think I love them. And but you know, I think in sexy newer, <laughs> they look good on the airplane. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but um, now I don't know. They're they're kind of uh, messing with the sexy vibe here with this. Uh, Shiny. What? What did uh, Robert what call it? A shiny, shiny extra square. Extra square. Shiny, shiny. Extra shiny square. <laughs> Was that an extra square or just an extra, extra shiny? Extra shiny square. Square. What, shiny square. What are we? What are we modifying here with the extra? I think we're we're uh, modifying shiny. Okay. Yeah, that's what that's the way I read it. Anyway, so this picture here, if you're watching the video, and if you're not, then uh, look at the uh, link in the show notes. Um, so he's referring to that. Something that's in the eyebrow window, some kind of a special new thing. <laughs> you know what that is? It looks like a sunshade. No, it's not even a sunshade. Is it a... Well, it's, it's a... It's, something being used as a sunshade? Yes. A, uh, I'm actually... It's just a piece of... It's a paper. piece of paper. It's it's, it's like probably our, part of our flight, flight plan, plan or weather yeah. or no tams uh-huh. or a bunch of garbage. Uh, <laughs> here, do you want to read these no tams? No, but I need to block the sun coming <laughs> in this window. <laughs> put them up here so I can refer to them very easily. Easily, yes. I'm just looking up. Yep. I'm tilting my head yep. back. No. So one of the drawbacks of these eyebrow windows and uh, the reason why many um, pilots have a contrarian view of these things is the fact that, well, you know, we've learned a lot about UV radiation in the last couple of decades and how it's not good for you. Do you wear your sunscreen while flying? I do not. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Talk about some health maintenance things here after the show. As, does that disqualify me for the APG health plan? Yes. Oh, dang it. <laughs> well, yes, I do. Did oh, I, okay. I meant good. to say yes, I do. Excellent. Dr. I'm Steph. very happy to hear that you wear your <laughs> wear sunscreen, sunscreen on a daily basis. So uh, in lieu of sunscreen, uh, several pilots will put some kind of a physical blocking device up in the uh, in that little eyebrow window to uh, kind of cut down on the amount of UV radiation that's coming through. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, sometimes uh, one of those pieces of paper really uh, do the trick. Block so the they're not all garbage, the NOTAMs. Well, I guess in this case, if those are actually NOTAMs that they they're serving a there, purpose, they are serving a purpose, Excellent. not garbage. But I guess after the flight's over, it will be. Be in the garbage. <laughs> if they remember. That's the appropriate time to place them in the garbage. The deal is that sometimes, you know, you you don't really look up there to see if somebody has put some sun blocking 
items up mm. in that little iron. It's not part of our checklist uh, procedure like, to oh. check. Oh. But, um, yeah, so that's what it is. So it's nothing fancy, just a piece of paper up there to help block the sun beating down on us. I was trying to see if it was if it truly was extra shiny, if it was like a piece of tin foil or something. Yeah, there's one on the FO slide. <laughs> there's another picture of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, very low tech. That's what that is. Mm. Good question, though, Robert. I mean, from, you know, from the perspective that you had for looking at this from the terminal window, uh, it's really hard to tell exactly what it is. It bothers my OCD a little bit, though, that it's not exactly, like, lined, exactly up. lined up right. It's a little off-centered. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Um, so you've got just under half an hour left, about 20. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. End it now. <laughs> Are you sure we're not like really close to the end? No. We could okay. be. Yeah, we could be. Okay. Hey, we're uh, having fun here. Let's uh, continue with some more feedback. This is from Walt. This is, this is actually very good. Um, so he wants to be sure that we don't use his full name because he doesn't want anybody to know that he listens to the airline pilot guy. That's fair. Show. Yeah. That's fair. I, very mm -hmm. understandable. Hello all. This is my second feedback in about five years. And you finally hit a topic that I can actually add something to Rick's knowledge. Ooh, we should be playing. Yes. We should be doing this with Rick. Yeah. You want to save it? Um, nah. Now, let's do it. Okay. Uh, I'm a PC-12, a Pilatus PC-12 night freight single pilot operator based in Atlanta and have 3,000 hours in the plane, with just shy of 2,000 hours of that being at night. I've trained at both SimCom and flight safety for the aircraft. I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, the PC-12 is the easiest aircraft I've ever flown. The profiles in which it can be flown are extremely wide. And it can be flown like a Cessna 172 or a Cessna Citation, depending on your needs at the time. The Pratt & Whitney PT-6 turboprop does not have a FADEC per se, but the power control lever or lever, no split throttle slash prop controls, runs to a bellows system run from the PY air from the engine. What is that? The, must be one of the bleeds, yeah. Uh, this bellows system prevents over-torquing the engine, but is one of the only weak points, if there really are any, on the PC-12. A partial pneumatic leak can prevent the bellows from operating at full capacity, which will cause an otherwise perfectly running engine to run at partial or idle power. The solution? The manual override lever, or MOR, mm -hmm. uh, which was discussed briefly. The MOR is a direct link to the throttle and provides no over-torque over protection, but bypasses the bellows system in the event of a power loss from the bellows system. I want to be the first to say that I hate armchair quarterbacks, but the Pilatus community, and I believe the pilot himself, have said that the MOR lever was never touched. It's quite easy to forget about it, as it contracts down into the center console and is easily forgotten about if it is not drilled into your into you during training to use it. The problem with the PC-12 at idle power is there is roughly six feet of prop acting as a speed brake. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding the pilot never attempted the use of the MOR lever, lever, which would have in all probability restored power to the aircraft. I also recall that the prop was not feathered. 
the PC-12 has around a 13 to 16 to 1 glide ratio, depending on what what Pilatus propaganda, propaganda. you find. <laughs> I feel like he's saying that that's maybe generous. <laughs> yeah. With a feathered prop, slips well if needed, and has massive flaps to aid in either getting just a little stretch or adding significant drag to the airplane, depending on what the pilot needs out of the airframe to get it on the field. Without feathering the prop, the airplane will come down at what I estimate to be more of a 5 to 1 ratio. That's a lot steeper. Yes, that's definitely not 13 to 16 no. to 1. Yeah. The PC-12 has an AOA or has AOA sensors and shaker pusher protection. Going by the Swiss cheese model, I think he means the... Um, the Funyun effect. The Funyun, Funyun. The Funyun, Funyun effect. effect. Uh, lots of holes have to be poked in this scenario to make it to to flat. not make it to the flat ground safely. Oh, to not make it. Yeah. Thank you. To not make it to flat ground safely, especially in the DFW Metroplex. In the end, in my humble opinion, the pilot just simply made a series of wrong decisions throughout the incident due to a lack of knowledge, training, and or seat time. I love the PC-12, its capabilities and its reliability. Keep up the great work, and I hope to see you all at a meetup soon. And I look forward to meeting you as well, sir. Mm -hmm. It is quite amazing when you have a very large prop in front of the airplane, how much that will act as a speed break. Yeah, what is it, 13 feet? He says six feet, but... Or six feet, okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's... Still. Yeah, it's a lot of prop That's a lot. That's a big prop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a big parachute out there, I guess. Oh, it's just like a, like, at idle power, it ends up being like a brick that... If it's not feathered. Yeah, if it's not feathered, yeah. And you know all about that because you fly props that it's important to get them feathered, right? If you lose an engine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. Well, thank thank you for that. Yeah. Um, It's a shame that, you know, this pilot, you know, didn't really think about that. Yeah. Well, I mean. M.O.R. System. So that's where training is important. That's where thinking through emergency situations on a regular basis is yeah. important. And if you're not doing that on a regular basis, then in you're in a stressful situation where you're, um, you know, where you're just overtaxed, then it's easy to forget about those things that you should yeah. be doing. So true. So and it's so easy. That's one of the biggest dangers, I think. Um, for task saturated. Pilots. That's the word I was thinking of when you're task saturated. Yeah. But one of the, one of the biggest uh, threats I think out there, uh, especially for people who have been doing this for quite some time is it's easy to get a little complacent and yeah. uh, not, and you get comfortable with everything. And, you know, and then when all of a sudden you're in a situation where you really need to rely upon that, that base of knowledge and training and everything else, you, you, you better be ready for it because mm-hmm. it could could go bad. Well, it's really never going quickly. to happen when you expect it to, right? I know. When are you ever expecting to have a the sim. abnormal? Well, <laughs> outside of the sim, yeah. when are you ever expecting to have a normal? In the sim, you're expecting nothing to go you're wrong. Like, it's all going wrong today. All going wrong. In fact, wrong. that's one of the dangers in the sim. You're in there and you just start like doing stuff and go, <laughs> and like, what the heck are like, you Why doing? are you doing that? It's, this is fine. Oh, right now. That, you're like, oh, I thought you were trying to make I this much harder for me than sure it actually that is. There was something really wrong. Oh. <laughs> no. Nope. We didn't do anything. Nope, we hadn't pushed yet. any of our little buttons yet. yet. Uh, self-induced emergencies, I think they. We already that. did this one. Yeah. Did we? Well, then I should. We should probably move on to a different 11. one. <laughs> Eleven. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Michael. This is interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to look I at have this. Not. Yeah. Um, okay. I've been following this. Cha- okay. This is from um, Michelle. Michelle. Uh, hello, Captain Jeff and team. I've been following this chap in the U.S. 
who's been building his own Raptor aircraft from scratch with an Audi turbo diesel engine. He has a YouTube channel and his last, and I looked at this channel. It's very, very interesting because uh, he kind of, well, let me, let me continue with his Mm -hmm. feedback first. In his last video, we see a new generation aircraft of his plan. Uh, The reason the previous model, the, the OG Mm. Raptor uh, aircraft uh, crashed into a cornfield it's over a month old, but better late than never, and I thought this would interest the team. He explains a crash here in the first few minutes of the video. We'll put a link in the show notes if you want to watch the video, and I highly recommend that you do because it's very interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, a couple of before and after pics courtesy from his website and YouTube channel and a local news report. And uh, so I'm going to – obviously, I should uh, – Oopsie. Share this so that everybody can see this uh, very uh, interesting looking airplane. Uh, here we go. Share. Boom. 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 And boom. That's four booms if you're counting. Um, here we go. There is the uh, experimental Raptor. It's a, uh, looks like a mid wing um, with a canard. Mm hmm design and uh pusher winglets prop. pusher prop with an audi engine turbo diesel. yep turbo diesel looks like a what how many blades on that about six bladed uh, two three f- probably five 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 blade prop yeah, yeah. and uh, there's a picture here as you can see of the airplane in the cornfield oops which is probably you know if you couldn't make it to the uh to an airport or runway, uh, landing in a cornfield is probably not a bad place. It's tricky. So if it's this time of year in the Midwest, that corn could be quite tall yeah. and uh, difficult to judge flare heights and things. And, yeah. And not great for your gear. <laughs> well, uh, the Nebraska State Patrol said that they were uh, extremely thankful that this pilot was able to walk away mm. uh, from the small plane crash in Fillmore County. And there's another shot of yeah. the I mean it looks like he did a, a reasonable job of yep um not catching the gear and flipping it over or something along those lines more information here uh, regarding that but um let me see here let me uh no I'm sorry I didn't put the video in here anyway so the cool thing about this video going to this channel and seeing his latest video about the new um version or evolution of the Raptor is that uh, he's really uh, made an interesting design change. Um, And the biggest, of course, is going from the Audi uh, turbo diesel engine to electric engines, Mm. twin, uh, one on each of the wings. Oh, not pusher props anymore. And um, well, are they on the I guess trailing edge or the no, they're on the um, yeah, they're toward the trailing edge of the uh, of the mm-hmm. wing. So okay. I don't know if that's technically a pusher or, or depends or on which tractor. Um, but uh, the and then there's there's an engine uh, back in the area where the the turbo diesel is in this design that uh, supplies the electrical power for the uh, elect electric engines uh, fans. And uh, also, he's he's uh, was able to reduce the wingspan uh, of the uh, of the wing by uh, making like this, uh, like he connects the the uh, oh, like a box, yeah, like uh, a box. I don't know what they call that box mm, tail or something. Yeah, but it makes it much more rigid. Efficient. It gives it more lifting surfaces, and it and you don't have to have this 
such a large wingspan with these big winglets on there. I mean, they still have winglets, but it's it, mm. it's just a, a much more uh, compact design? and efficient yeah. design. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, very very cool. Uh, he he really goes into a lot of detail about. Uh, why they made these uh, decisions for the design changes and everything else. And uh, I think, yeah, it makes it a lot easier to, to like store in these small hangers and that kind of thing. Big, you know, quite a, quite of a interesting improvement. Share the screen, Jeff. Oh, okay. I need to unshare the screen. There we go. Okay. That's better. Ah, uh, anyway, so check that out. Thank you, uh, Michelle, for uh, sending, sending that in. And, uh, okay, I would Misha. say do 14 and then finish on 13. Okay, 14 first. control room is telling us to go to 14. And, oh, Stefan, um, uh-huh. I haven't done anything with this audio, so hopefully we'll, it's it probably don't need to, because Stefan usually okay. usually uh, yeah. uh, has it up at a pretty good volume level. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is not for the uh, for the show, it's just it's sent to Liz. Oh, yeah, we'll skip yeah. it then. He and okay. I have a special relationship. A special relationship. Oh, okay, Liz. Um, in your last episode, Jeff asked for some travel tips for London. Actually, I did. JJ did. Yeah, JJ. JJ, not Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, no JJ, JJ. It was JJ Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'm yeah. sorry. It was real, JJ Pittsburgh. The real JJ. <laughs> Too many JJs. Uh, yeah. I will get it right eventually. Uh, I recommend some travel passes like the London Pass or London Card. Is that like for... I have never purchased a London or Pass or London card. I'm assuming it's for public transportation. The the one for like the underground is just the Oyster card. Well, I wonder if maybe this piece of audio feedback he explains. Maybe he does. All right, let's, let's take listen. a listen. A big hello to the APG team and to everybody listening to this great show. This is uh, Stefan from Germany calling, and I'd like to give you some feedback for episode 489, the Underwater Wing Walker, and especially a feedback to JJ Pittsburgh. Any Tips to travel to London. Well, I'm not from London, obviously, but I like, as a tourist, give you some tips if you want to go to London. Um, It's the uh, London Pass. Uh, That's a card where you buy in advance a lot of attractions. By the way, there are several of those traveling cards. There are London Pass, London Card, and... uh, uh, what else? The, uh, the other one was the um, the uh, London Explorer Pass. So there are several cards which buy you let let you buy several attraction at once. You get um, sometimes a quick access. Sometimes you get uh, also free um, uh, bus and uh, train rides with that as well. I think if anybody who's going to visit uh, London and should look at those. Um, Passes, London Pass, it's uh, quite a bit of money you pay, but you have a lot of um, attractions in it. And um, it's a good thing where you have that because, you know, when you're walking through uh, London, you pass by a museum and you, th- you look at it and you say, hey, I am get a free entry for this one. And then you walk into these museums and you discover a lot of things. Either way around when you walk by a museum and you always have to decide, oh, pay a money for that or pay or not. Um, it makes much more easier to um, you feel much relaxed uh, visiting a lot of stuff and uh, have fun in cities. Those passes are there for several cities, even in, in America. And I've used those passes for Rome, for Paris, for Barcelona. So maybe you should look at it. That's a small tip. And uh, well, again, big thank you for APG for the show. And I enjoy it very much. Bye bye. 
And we enjoy your contributions Mm -hmm. to the show and to my liquor cabinet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. So if if you're wanting to do museum things or attractions within cities. Um, that's a good, uh, good suggestion. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah. Very good suggestion. And it, it's, as you said, it, it's, and I never think to do things like that because my travel MO is basically buy a ticket to go somewhere and figure it out when you get there. What? You don't <laughs> do like this extensive planning, pre-planning and everything. No, stuff? it drove my friends nuts recently <laughs> when I did a couple of trips with friends just here in the U S they're like, do you want to plan meals for the weekend? I was like, why would I do that? Like, so we can buy food in advance. I was like, why would we, do why that? would we do that? <laughs> Steph, <laughs> I was just going to show up with a my case of beer and figure out the food. Steph is more into serendipity. It always works out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, that's the way I like to do it. And then there's more too. flexibility but it for drives people it drives nuts people crazy. that are planners. Oh yeah. The planners That would drive like Liz nuts. I think. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That was a resounding yes from yep. the control room. Yep. Well, no, that's I, I'm sort of in the middle. Like I do oh. like to do some planning, but I also am sort of semi. Well, you need you need a little I, bit of planning, I, right? I, I, so, I don't do no planning at all. Yeah, you need a little bit of planning. You can't. Well, I have done trips where there's been almost no planning, but generally it re- involves knowing the dates you can go, having mm-hmm. your itinerary to and from, so some sort of method of getting from point A to point B and back again. And it's not a bad idea to have your hotel or accommodations. Yeah, there's something. Because other, sometimes oh, that gets I stressful if that. you don't do that far enough in mm-hmm. advance. It can get pricey or all of a sudden sell out and then you're stuck. Um, so I like to have those things in place. But everything else can just kind of be like, well, I woke up today and I feel like doing this. Mm-hmm. And go with the flow. Yeah. And it's nice to have a, a pass like that, as Stefan mentions. Because yeah. even though it's kind of expensive... Um, and maybe you're not going to use it as much. That probably would be good for someone like me because then you could be like, oh, yeah, here it is. I'm, I find myself here and I would like to go and you don't have this. to think about whether or not you want to spend the extra for doing the extra thing. It's just like it's, you, just it's all covered. It. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, what do they call that? Uh, like the the resorts that you go to. All inclusive. All inclusive. There you go. Thank you. What is a stereo? That was very, that was very stereo. Left. Liz and I said that at the exact same time. <laughs> Great minds. Ten minutes left and it's perfect. You'll just finish with Larry. Okay. Let's uh, share Larry Gregory. Uh, he sent us a cartoon, um, which is, uh, of course, you know, my favorite cartoonist, I guess. Uh-huh. Cartoonist. Um, mm-hmm. Gary, uh, Larson. Gary Larson. And uh, it is a... <laughs> picture uh, from the mid to back of an airplane looking forward so you can see the passengers. Oddly, no cockpit door. Yeah, well, this is before 9-11, right? And no cockpit door necessary. You can see uh, right into the cockpit. And uh, what you see is maybe a little bit of a concern to some people. Uh, Both both of the pilots are on their hands and knees. uh, (laughs) Searching for something on the floor. Searching for on the floor, and here is the caption. Well, there is some irony in all this, you know. I mean, we both lose a lens at the same time. <laughs> so, the contact, yeah, the contact, contact lens. lens. My, and there's only one guy in the cabin who seems to have noticed what's going on. Everyone else is, like, occupied, like, reading yeah. the newspaper or sleeping. Right. And this one guy is like, ooh, what's what's going on yeah, up what, there? What's going on up there? That's kind of odd. I have concerns. I uh, My mom wore contact lenses of the hard Ooh, the, yeah. Uh, and I, I remember as a kid, uh, it, I don't know how often it occurred, but it seemed quite often that we'd be, you know. Searching for a contact lens on the ground. Being like, very careful about where we were stepping because, you know, you break one of those things. Oh, yeah. 
those are expensive. Those are, yeah. And uh, and something that they did, that she wore, you know, quite a quite a bit until like, she got new ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Not like the everyday disposable disposable dailies. Ones they have yeah, disposables, now. yeah. Yeah. But I don't anyway, know. I, uh, it's just like almost impossible sometimes to see a clear glass. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even even the you know disposable ones sometimes can be very tricky to find depending on the surface mm-hmm. they fall onto, which I'm so glad I don't have to deal with contact lenses anymore. I'm just impressed yeah. Thank both you. these pilots are still wearing their hats up there. Well, you know, that's a good point, Liz. <laughs> she said, uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that both of these pilots are are wearing their 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 flight caps or their so pilot like, hats you'd have to take me back to pre 9-11 days because i actually just don't remember but if if people could see into the cockpit or go up there nah we had doors yeah i know Um, there were doors yeah if it was more readily accessible did you you didn't stay didn't um, leave your hat on the whole time no no we didn't (laughs) leave our hat on (laughs) the only time i leave my hat on is if i'm doing a selfie and i'm trying to be funny (laughs) and put my my uh, headset you know, over the top, you know, wear your hat and then put the headset over the top, over the of, top of the hat. That's the classic. I've actually look. found that wearing my, so I actually usually do wear a hat, but like a baseball cap. Yeah, that's different. Because, than... uh, well, going back to too much sun coming in, that's a, a yeah. thing in the caravan for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've found it actually works a little bit better to put the hat over the top. Just have it all the way open. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. It's a really good look. She's got a new hat. Yeah, I do have a new hat. I have not worn it yet <laughs> flying this, though. Um but the reason for that is because when I put it underneath, my um, headset doesn't seal right against my head, oh, yeah. and it lets too much noise in. Yeah, yeah. So it looks that. dorky, but it's serving a purpose, and I'm yeah. quite comfortable. Thank you. It makes it much. look like you have like a really super wide. Head. I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Do you know you're supposed to wear your hat underneath the headset? <laughs> yes, I know, but yeah. it doesn't work. Uh, that as makes well. it, you know. Yeah, you're right. You're not going to get a good seal yeah. uh, for. And especially if you try protection. to jab sunglasses in there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Anyway, okay, well, time to wrap I have her up. A, I have a little peanut head, so I have to, you know. No, you do not. Um, Okay. So I think it's now time for us to wrap up this episode. Thank goodness. Um, And uh, this is where we kind of tell you about some things that might help you learn more about the show, the crew, the community, uh, the goings on in the community, the APG community calendar. We have a, a library, Tiffany, our librarian, uh, manages that. And I'm not going to see anything else because I think I got in a little trouble last time. Um, and okay. yeah, because I was, I thought I was being very complimentary about Tiffany, but apparently HR or the HR representative at the time, because oh. you weren't there, um, you know, got on to me about that. Um, and, uh, let's see what else, uh, merchandise. We have, uh, like more info about the plane tales and such there and, uh, so much more. So check it out. Airlinepilotguy.com, our website. And we also do the social media stuff, the social medias, because if you're on social media and why wouldn't you be everyone's all well, the cool kids are doing social media. Some people have privacy like, issues things going on in their lives. Yeah. A life. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you have a life, this doesn't apply to you. But for the rest of us, no, no, you no. can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at APG crew and the individual uh, handles for all of us are, tw- are pinned to the top of that page. 
And you can also head over to Instagram at APG Crew. And um, sometimes I put Nick's artwork there if you want to see it for the show or in advance of the show or go back and look at them and admire them later on. There we go. And we all. And have, yes. So. Is Hello Hello here? Well, let's see. Um, let's see if we can find the, uh, the little hidden speaker. Um, oh. Ah. I hear the water. He's always in the shower. Yeah, he likes. To, he's a clean guy. <laughs> so hey, hello. Do you have time for slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. I know. We've I, got extra towels. Yeah, we do have extra towels. So come on over here. Here, let's move, move, uh, move yeah. apart a little bit so you can mm-hmm. kind of get up to one of these microphones and watch the water. You're dripping all over the place. <laughs> okay, here we go. Tell us about slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thank you, Hillel. Uh, We really do appreciate all that information about Slack. Um, you might want to call down to the front desk for some clean towels. But we had extras. Well. Not anymore. Not sure what's going on there in the uh, bathroom, but, uh, well, we don't have clean towels. Better not to ask, probably. We'll just leave it there. Ew, Jeff, you said you didn't use the washcloth. Oh, no. Okay, we'll talk about this after the show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, nice to have Hillel, uh, Thanks, Hillel. with us. And uh, we also want to put out a big thank you for our con- producer, director, Liz, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Liz Piper, thank you. Thanks, Liz. You are the best, without a doubt. And... Oop. I keep meaning to <laughs> fix that. It's a very a of, abrupt end to the applause. A lot of effects when I press the they fade. And they fade out, but uh, you have to actually set that up. I see. And I always forget to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reminded that I haven't done that every show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for everything. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for just being, uh, you know, supporters of the show and... Uh, yeah, until we meet again, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care and God bless. Cheers, y'all. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Meet, meet. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats airline pilot guy I fly
Cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly 